Hi, friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Jim. This show brought to you by the letter N. And and your... (laughs) Is that a stalker thing? No, that's Sesame Street. Oh. Are you new? (laughs) (laughs) And and the the count... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, have you guys seen that video where they replace count with the F-bomb? It's the funniest goddamn yeah. thing. Well, it's the unnecessarily censored count. That's where they why just it's... Bleeping. Yeah. yeah. Because I really love to be... <laughs> so great. Uh, folks, if you haven't seen this video, it's like they replace count with the F-bomb, but they bleep the F-bomb, which makes it even funnier. Just look for, like, uncensored count. It's the best. Um, also joining us is your co-host, Hunter. You know, I really do love space games. I'm not going to lie. They're the best. Right. They they are the best. And except, joining... for, except for games with boats, because we do like some games with boats we, we, as well. We do like games with well, boats yes, and, ga- well, and games with mechs and soldiers and and We and, like and, them, yes. And cars. But, and... but it's lately been a boat thing. There's been <laughs> yeah, a lot of boats. this boat. is true. Been a lot of this boats is true. Uh, World of Warships uh, has, has got an itch. That's been scratched, so yes. Yeah, see, I, I caught a bad boat itch, right? So right. it was, it, and I blame Battlefleet Gothic for this, because I was just like, mm. all like, oh yeah, broadsides and spaceships and yay. And then uh, Pinback started playing that uh, naval action, which I've been like eyeballing for a long time, but I'm like, ah, it's early access, 40 bucks, is it any good? So he started raving about that, yeah. and that made it harder and harder to resist. So I was just like, okay, okay, I'm going to play World of Warships because it's free, and, and I can like scratch this itch and get it out of my system. And then I started playing World of Warships, and then it was like, I must buy every game with a boat in it now. <laughs> so... I noticed that on your Steam. It's like, wow, he just spent like $80 on two naval games. Holy Christ. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> th- let, me, let me tell you, the other early access title is uh, the naval Warhammer, no, oh, Warhammer yeah. um, Corsair, which is basically Warhammer fantasy battle Oh, I thought it was Men of War Corsair. Or, uh, maybe it's that. Yeah, but it's Warhammer. They don't. They didn't use the name Warhammer in the title. Oh. They should have, because like first encounter is like orcs that are firing snotlings at me like cannonballs. What? And yeah, I'm. I'm just like, wow, this is some straight up Warhammer going on here. And That's uh, great. W- which is interesting because Corsair was the original tabletop game, and then they said, hey, we need to make a 40k version of this, and then that became Battlefleet Gothic. Oh. So. Yeah, because I I played Corsair back in the day. A buddy of mine had it. Anyway, I digress. Anyway, I folks, we have a guest this week getting back on topic. Uh, joining us from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the founder and CEO of Guild Software, Inc., John Bergman. Hi, John. <laughs> Howdy. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate the invite. Well, we're we're very happy to have you. We... Uh, uh, I have a confession to make after we do the news, and then we'll talk about your game, Vendetta Online. Let's do the news real quick. Uh, first, folks, uh, there's a Star Ruler 2 expansion coming out this week called Wake of the Heralds. It adds a ton of crap, ton of crap, like achievements for your planets. Not just levels now, but achievements. I put some time in Star Ruler 2. I still it's... don't quite understand what I was doing, but um, there's a lot of game there. 
definitely. I'm, right. I'm just not sure that I how many hours I have to put in before it finally clicks, right? It's, it's not unfun, but it's just kind of like the the tutorial helps, right? But I but right. it, the, basically it is it is it resembles on the surface like a Master of Orion clone, but that is a very thin veneer of familiarity and then once you're under that it's like oh god this is nothing like anything else and huh. but that's okay because people are like oh we're sick of those cuz and and we are right cuz how many can we have really like and oh. how many are still coming so, well look <laughs> at the, look at this year like coming up real soon right so polaris sector just dropped master of orion the official just came out um and then stellaris is coming out Dan DeChico just put out an uh, expansion for Star Drive 2, which is great, by the way. Um, fixes a lot of things that I complained about in that game. And then the the other gorilla in the room, which has not started the hype machine yet, is... Uh, Endless is, Space uh, 2? Endless Space 2, yeah. Which I'm, I'm surprised that they have not started spinning the hype machine. I, I think they're doing the right thing. They're, they're, they're buying their time, making it look awesome, and then they'll hit us with a hype cannon in the face with all this right. awesomeness and we'll Honestly, be like oh I would my sit god on it. i would sit on that game until stellaris chills out a little bit oh, i'm sure that's what they're doing i'm sure that's what they're doing i mean stellaris is out in three weeks and yeah we'll, we'll probably hear something about it at maybe after um but yeah so that's exciting star roller 2 is pretty great it does a lot of things different than the typical uh 4x and it's really great because of it. Like diplomacy is like a mini card game, and leveling up plants is very different. And I like you the supply have these... chain stuff, the logistics, yeah, the, because the, the you ma- have planets the... send things to other planets. Yeah, to and... level them up, and they can produce better things that other planets might need to level up. Oh shit! Ah, uh... <laughs> sorry, I'm being attacked by a, by a robot. Hang on, I'm being attacked by a robot. Like it's it, begun. For real. It's begun. Like They're the, invading. The robot, the robot uprising has begun. <laughs> it's at Brian's apartment. <laughs> well, you know, Skynet didn't didn't Skynet start in Los Angeles? Basically, supposedly, yeah, pretty much. So yeah, I'm, I'm screwed. Depends on which uh, movie you watch because it changes every fucking time. Man, that thing put me down. <laughs> to 50, that thing put me down to fifty-seven percent. That one fucking robot. Oh my god. It's it's robots. So clearly, clearly, we're off the f bomb reservation at this point. If anyway, like that was to my drop fault. A few, I, that I, fuck, I, I fuck. did it. Fudge! I'm not going to make it. I don't think I'm going to make it. I'm not, no, I'm not making it. You're I not got blowed. I got blowed up. Yep, you're dead. Um, wow, <laughs> wow. I've been trying. This is the third time I've tried to do this mission. Uh, so uh, yeah, just buy my last ship. Just buy that. Okay. Um. So the other piece of news is that Artemis, y'all remember Artemis, right? The big uh, bridge. Artemis Gordon from Wild the, Wild the, West. The bridge sim. The bridge sim. Oh. It got a massive, huge, huge, huge patch this past weekend, which added new ships, a new UI, apparently a bunch, a bunch of crap. I've not had, I've not needs, had a chance to try it. It needs new sounds. That's the big thing. Is crowd crowd draw on that thing because it's like a little bit of pew pew pew, right? He needs some epic sounds, some good music, something that when you are playing it and there's observers around, right? Like you know, like people go to these cons and they set up, you know, like a, a starship bridge and they're playing this thing, and and it's like a spectator sport, right? Like I can stand there and watch that, but they need better sound effects because when they hook it up to a big sound system and it's like pew pew pew, and no. Please no. 
So I will I will help the man. If Tom wants to call me, I will get him some sound effects. <laughs> but he, but he needs to find me the tapes, and you know the ones I mean. Right. The Vulcan Fury tapes. That I'll trade. <laughs> yeah. Um, so not so- necessarily uh, space gamey, but it is sci-fi gamey. They've released a, a, a redone version of Battlezone. That's pretty That's freaking spectacular, in my That's opinion. Exciting. I think that needs to be said. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, wait I to will say that, that it is Battlezone. It, it, if you played the 1998 Battlezone, which is actually free online right now, if you Google that, um, you cannot get it over 800 by 600. I think Smacks Res on it, um, right. but it is the same game, right? Like beat for beat, uh, it's got better pixels. That's what they did. Is they they put it in a modern engine, very high poly, nice textures and stuff. But uh, it is it is faithful like to the to the beat of the original game, which is fine. Which I is pretty Battle spectacular. Zone, I'm hoping Battlezone Two gets the same treatment because I've we've played Battlezone Two with the HD mod on it, and That's it's like true. yes, please. It's, I, it's I just wish much, it had yeah. a community. <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe it will now that this one's coming out. All right, so we are here, my friends, to talk about one of the oldest space MMOs around, really. Almost as Jump old gate. as Eve. Not that old. <laughs> Almost as old as Eve Online. Uh, this came out in 2004 originally. I thought it was. I thought it was no, that came out in 2000. That's still running as well if you want to find Free FreeAllegiance.com, folks, but. We're here to talk about Vendetta Online, which, if you want to be technical, is one of the oldest officially still running MMOs, Spacey MMOs, <laughs> because Jumpgate uh, died and was kind of resurrected, and Allegiance died and was resurrected, but not officially. So uh, it's kind of interesting. But this, one is, but this one is not this, dead yet. This one is still, please don't say yet. Still um, kicking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not dead yet. Oh, I feel happy. Um, <laughs> so, uh, John, I have a confession to make. When this game came out in 2004, I was deeply mired in Jumpgate. Deeply, deeply mired in Jumpgate. And so when this came out, I played it for five minutes and went, eh, this isn't Jumpgate, and then never played it again <laughs> until <laughs> about three months ago where we're all like, you know, we're doing this multiplayer thing. We should try Vendetta Online. All right. And we're all like, wow, this does everything we want. wish Elite did. <laughs> it's just not cool. as pretty. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a, the game's a little bit long in the tooth, so we're continuously upgrading the engine and all that, trying to make it a little prettier. But, uh, well, I noticed glad, you guys put like a around. big – you put a big facelift on it since the last time I played it because the ships look much better now. Yeah, yeah. We've been doing a lot of work over the last like two years uh, really updating the engine and – DirectX 11 assets and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, because I mean, like, last time I played it was a couple months ago, right? So there's been something radically different here. Like, you know, the space stations look better, and, you know, it just looks like a lot of texture work has happened recently. Yeah, and it's funny. uh, There's been almost no texture work. It's almost all engine side, and there's going to be a whole hell of a lot more of that. Uh, We really changed the lighting model. A lot of things were adding a lot more uh, kind of... uh, uh, realistic lighting in terms of you know the, the types of reflections and things like, like that that you get off different surfaces. So anyway, uh, right around the time we probably start to push onto Steam, there'll probably be yet another big update that will hopefully look that much cooler. 
Oh, that's exciting. Oh, I, had, I had not heard about the Steam push. Now, that's exciting news, because you guys are going to get a community, that, like, a huge expansion then. Yeah, I'm well, really excited. That's awesome. Yeah, we're hoping that. We're hoping for that. Uh, and then we've been working on the VR thing for, like, three years, so uh, the Steam thing's going to integrate Vive support, and uh, Valve's pretty much behind us on that, so I, I, I'm pretty optimistic about all that. Ooh, that's so am exciting. I going to be able to get up and run around in my spaceship then? Uh, trip, no. trip over the coffee table. <laughs> Not right now. Uh, we are <laughs> we're experimenting with the possibility of you having some limited motion inside of space stations. Uh, but you know, we we just have resource limitations in that we're a tiny dev team. Uh, but we are starting to to play around with some of those aspects. I, I can't really. I don't want to commit to like, oh, we're going to ship you running around in space stations. It's going to be amazing because you know, I mean, Eve already has amazing stuff like that, and we're we're much much smaller than they are. So. You know, if if you do make those promises, you could get up to a hundred million dollars. <laughs> oh, yeah, I knew it was going to come. I, I knew it was going to come. I was waiting for it. Yeah, I've heard I that. I was waiting for it. I've heard that. Uh, but, you know, you don't even so, have to, you know, ship all your stuff at launch. So, I mean, you're okay. Yeah, oh as, long as, you have, as long as you have a minimum amount of features um, that are promised. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, we're going to split the single player and the dope. Uh, anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> enough, yeah. enough picking on Chris because you know what's going to happen. There's going to be a puff of sulfur. You're going to smell like a whiff of sulfur and Derek Smart's going to show up. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we don't want that. We don't. Uh, sulfur doesn't smell good. You know? I completely, I completely keep forgetting I have missiles. All right, here we go. <laughs> anyway, hey, uh, so question while we're while we're doing this, um, in the Android version, because I've got it on my PC screen and I've got it on the Android too, which is I, amazingly I we should... impressive, and we want to talk to you about that later. Oh, it looks good on my phone. I didn't think <laughs> I'd be able to deal with it like down at like six inches or whatever. That's what she said. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, it looks nice though. It's and and it's controllable. Yeah, so, it works I, I don't surprisingly know. well. Like at the time when I was like, "Oh, I really want to take this on a mobile devices." This is like GDC 2010. I walked through the show floor and saw a buddy of mine from Nvidia demoing on like the very first Tegra board, and he was showing this like demo that really looked terrible, but he uh he told me about the stats of the chip and everything, and I was like, "Holy crap, that can actually run a real game." And I got really excited about bringing our game over onto it. And everybody I talked to about that was like, what are you, nuts? You want to bring a PC MMO onto a mobile device? That's crazy. No one's ever going to play that. They're only interested in Angry Birds. And I was like, well, you know, I want to play it. So therefore, I assume that other people do. So anyway, I'm I've, glad you're having a good experience so far. Yeah, NVIDIA Shield. That's that's where my experience is with it. And I am in love with it. Yeah. I, I I played it on a my this little crappy seven inch LG tablet I got for free from Sprint. I had to delete like eighty apps to fit it on there because it has <laughs> it has like this thing has like no space whatsoever. And I was I'm like okay, you know what? I was at, stuck at my girlfriend's parents' house. I'm like I'm gonna log into this, try it on on their Wi-Fi. Ran like a champ. I like cool. damn. I was like damn. That's <laughs> impressive. Um, but yeah, I uh, it's very impressive that you have both uh, mobile. And uh, and PC here, but you started on the PC, so you guys started working on this in the late '90s. Is that correct? I think I read that story right. 
Yep, yep. We uh, we started on the engine generally back around '96. My my original idea on the the game came from playing, uh, you know, another another Chris reference, uh, the first Wing Commander one and two, and mm. then uh, X Wing and Tie Fighter. And it was right mm. about that time, like Tie Fighter, that you know Doom really kind of hit it big with modem play and stuff like that, and really kind of proved the case that you could do a uh, a Twitch real time game. You know, over a modem connection, it would work pretty well. And there were there had been some other things like that, like Air Warrior and the Sierra Network games that had kind of proven that too. But at that so point, were you targeting Dwango at the time? You're like, dude, we're gonna get on Dwango, <laughs> and this is gonna be the best. No, we're gonna get on ten, man. We're gonna get on the Total Entertainment oh, yes. Network, man. <laughs> exactly. No, no, we, this was all about the internet, even even going back then. But we had to. It, it was pretty rough in the early days. You know, it's like there wasn't even an IP stack that was reasonably stable and yeah it's trumpet windsock baby yeah, love it. exactly it was uh, yeah and there was obviously it was all software engine and you know there was no 3d hardware or anything yet but uh but yeah we started on the we, we built our own like i, I don't know you, you guys remember you your space game junkie so you know uh space war right it's like the original space game it's like oh yeah the first freaking 19, game 1962 it actually right. has the exclamation point in the title which yeah, is all, yeah, which has always been ridiculous to me. The the only game that, that you need an oscilloscope to play. <laughs> exactly, exactly, you really do. You really do. So I really liked the PC version of that. That I think dates from the '80s, and it was just simple multiplayer. You know, same mechanics and so on. And we decided to make our own version of that that would work over a netware network. That was like our first test case for building a network game. So we started working on that right around 94, 95. And then by about 96, we started working on the engine for what became Vendetta Online and uh, the whole process of trying to build a network backend and writing it in Linux and all this kind of stuff. So it's it all kind of fell out of that. Uh, and I started going to E3s around 96, trying to propose the idea of an MMO to publishers, which was terrifying to them because <laughs> <laughs> the whole notion of giant single universe game that everyone plays together. Oh, and by the way, I want to give it away. <laughs> and they're like, but what are we going to put on store shelves? We don't understand. So that was kind <laughs> of a tough pitch. Um, but uh, but thankfully, uh, you know, because that was Online, that was pre. Yeah, I was going to say that was pre Ultima Online. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it, Ultima Online, I think, was in beta in 96 or something. Uh, Meridian 59 had been around, but nobody really knew about that. I didn't even really know about that. Um, so anyway, right around the same time frame, roughly, uh, UO came out and kind of proved the case that this was a valid business model, which was very helpful to me. Uh, but yeah, it took us uh, quite a while to get the game out the door because we never really had any funding or you know, it's just kind of a bootstrap team, you know, little indie team in Milwaukee trying to build big, crazy space game. So I got to ask you about the engineering behind some of this because – uh, how how is it that you can get? Uh, I don't know. Is it, it? I might be asking a really stupid, simple question, but a lot of times people look at cross platform play and they think, "Wow, that that takes some uh, some genius." How how easy or hard was it to get a a mobile platform? It's a different operating system essentially to function in the same space as a Windows platform. So first of all. Uh, we've been live on cross-platform since 2002. That's actually when we first went online. We we Whoa. we shipped to retail in uh, in 2004, but we launched uh, Windows Mac Linux right out of the gate in 02, and that was what we originally shipped on the retail CD when we finally got like a publishing deal. Oh my uh, god! So 
Yeah, we were actually the second game in history, as far as I know, that ever shipped Windows, Mac, Linux on like a CD to retail, you know, with like full support for for all three of them. The first game was Terminus. Uh, Unreal Tournament 2004 was the first oh, one that I knew of. They I, beat us by like two months. Oh, I thought Terminus came out for all three. Uh, Do I, you remember My Vicarious Visions? That came out in like uh, nine. Sorry. Anyways, well, I, I I don't remember that. That was the we were one of the earliest ones that I knew about. Yeah, but, that yeah that yeah that might have been like you might have been number two. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> so don't, what, I don't know. So what engine were you guys working with then? So is it the same one now? Or it's the same one now. It, we had to write our own engine because I mean in the nineties especially you know there were basically two engines. One was you know Tim Sweeney and one was John Carmack, and they both cost like a million dollars. So. Uh, being an indie, you really had to write your own tech. And that was okay for us because we were an, an ex-demo group and writing our own tech was sort of like familiar to us. So by the time, you know, O2 rolled around, we we started really shipping things uh, on three platforms at once. Um, it's much more challenging as an MMO to do that mostly from the update standpoint because you have to like patch against all your platforms concurrently at the same time and maintain all of them. And also just from like a bug fixing standpoint because, you know, like things will happen like Apple will release broken drivers or something and then all of a sudden you have to deal with like one particular platform that has like troublesome video drivers or, or one particular video card or whatever. But, you know, once we kind of ironed that out, in the the era between 02 and 04 we got pretty used to that so fast forward to answering your question about about android which is not an uncommon question yeah it's basically linux uh you know it's it required a new gpu driver because it's es instead of full-blown OpenGL. but actually the process for us to go from OpenGL to es was this joyful process where my uh, my engine guy got to rip all of this cruft out of our engine and <laughs> just be like yay it's just this one standardized thing that's very modern because we had all this pc <laughs> crap that had been you know hanging around forever like oh it's a fix for the rage 128 from some you know ancient driver <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> oh jesus yeah carrying forward uh, an mmo for you know 15 years is, is very interesting uh, <laughs> in terms of uh, sort of engineering that goes into it but anyway Anyway, um, the the process of bringing it up on Android, technically speaking, was fast. We went from nothing to a running build in like three weeks. But then we spent, I don't know, a year iterating on the user interface stuff and trying to rebuild the user interface stuff. And it's still like it could still be drastically improved because the obviously the, the big challenge for anything is trying to take the huge game mechanics and, and all the, the sorts of interface stuff and compress it all down into this tiny little often four and a half inch screen or something like that, four inch screen. I mean, especially when we were looking at things in, in 2010, you know, 3.9 inch devices were still pretty common. Uh, oh, yeah. Trying to make, make that all usable, you know? So it, for us, it was really more of the user interface mechanics were the bigger challenge than uh, than the technical side. Yeah, long-winded answer to your question, but for whatever that's No, worth. no, it was perfect. That was great. No, that's important, you know, because you, your game has a pretty solid UI, I have to say. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. And the men, the like the men, the missions and the and the bar and everything. It's like so many menus, but you, you keep it simple, which is good. You know, you keep it very straightforward. Well, which, thanks. Which, we, is, which is good. 
we really need to to rework some of that. Uh, the The challenge with the UI is that we're constantly iterating on the game, right? So we're constantly adding new stuff, but at the same time we don't really have the time to completely rework the entire user interface mechanics every time we add new stuff. So it's just like an existing UI model will stick around. We'll keep jamming new things into it. And then a few years later we go, wow, this is really kind of a mess. We need to rework it again. And then we go back and try and redesign everything again. And that's basically what we're going through right now uh, in part to try and streamline everything for VR mobile and, you know, kind of, more regular 2D interfaces uh, all at the same time. So are there are there any current plans to continue upgrading uh like graphically uh ship models anything like that or Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, we're we're really only limited by resources in that we we just have a handful of developers. But uh Sure. Yeah, the biggest things for me right now uh, in terms of graphical updates are going to be engine changes. And that that's really kind of twofold. One is that we really want to get our performance way up there because VR is a challenge. You know, you're, you're doing stereoscopic rendering. You got to keep it 60 to 90 frames a second, depending on whether you're talking about mobile or PC and you really can't have any dropouts. So that's, that's tough. Uh, you know, we're going to ship on gear VR. So it's like mobile VR. That's a whole other ball of wax, right? It's got to run on a, on a phone, 60 frames a second smoothly. So we've been doing a lot of work with like geometry instancing and all this kind of jazz and, and trying to, to do R and D and into, you know, different optimizations and things that, that some of them work and some of them don't to try and, try and get this all running as fast as possible. And then the flip side of that is like, once we really get things running fast, uh, we're going to be adding more graphical features into the engine that actually don't have much to do with the current assets, but have more to do with lighting and shadow and uh, and kind of like dynamic things that you can be flying through, like uh, things like creating nebula that you can fly through that are generated procedurally with geometry shaders. That might not mean a lot to you, but basically – it sounds uh, great. <laughs> I, I have a vision for, for how big awesome this, yes, big word stuff. You have a um, dream. Yeah, I have a dream and, and <laughs> it, it, there is a great potential for, for this stuff to look really, really cool and to do some things that, that no one has done before that I've seen in, in some of these space games. So, uh, it's going to be more about the environment, I guess is the short way of answering it rather than the ship assets, but we are continuing to upgrade the ship assets too. In fact, uh, we just set, uh, set up some deadlines, uh, at the meeting yesterday for, uh, for upgrading some of the ship assets. So that, that is continuously in process as well. So how big is your team? How big is the dev team? Four people. Oh, yeah. damn! Not bad, really. It's really not that bad at all. Yeah, the, the game was uh, was built by four people from the get go. In fact, we've never really been more than four people. So, um, since you guys have launched, you said in in two thousand two, right? Yes, that's when we went online. Now there was a whole period in there when we were kind of open alpha and open beta and so on. But oh, this it, is it, that's that's before Eve. Then that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, uh, we were. Uh, yeah, we we basically measure it from O two because that's when we have been a continuously online product with people playing on a constant basis where we had to keep the game server up and stable and running all the time. Um, yeah, gotcha. 
But, uh, you know, we weren't really making money until 04. So, you know, it really depends on the way you measure things. But, uh, yeah, we, we actually debuted at the same E3 as the CCP guys. I met some of them there. Oh, that's so crazy. Is, this, is it profitable enough to actually support four people as a full-time job? Or is this like a in-the-evenings kind of thing that you do? No, no, we've been full-time since 04. Oh, okay. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So, um do you guys have players that have been playing since the very, very beginning? Yes. Yeah. We have a number of them. Um, and people who have been subscribed since the very beginning. And, uh, yeah, yeah. We, we have some players, like we had some people that, uh, that kind of grew up in our game, you know, they start playing when they're like 13 years old and, you know, now they're like 23 years old and that vended online is like a, a huge part of their life. Or we had some other players where it was like, uh, parents kids and grandparents all playing together and that was kind of fascinating so, so yeah, that's it's cool been, it's been really cool to see all of that evolve around the game yeah that is really cool i like it yeah it's been a lot of fun it's been a lot of fun we've we have a great community they're very enthusiastic um and they're very supportive and uh and that's that's pretty awesome um you know like any community that can be pretty passionate about their particular gameplay styles, which can be you know challenging with any MMO, but uh, but all in all, they're pretty awesome. Yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about what people are doing in the game because I know there's uh, there's missions that you get from the stations that are a variety of things between you know, combat and delivery things. You get a lot of FedEx or like go mine this and bring it back kind of deal. Um, since I'm, I'm in a fairly small ship, right? I'm in a Revenant. And, uh, so I'm a little bit limited on the cargo capacity and, and such. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out like, what should I be doing here to get better than this Revenant going on? Um, but it, you know, it's, I, I see like there's potential for a, a, whole lot of different kinds of missions that are going on here. And we've, um, I think Brian had mentioned before, we played a lot of Eve on, or not Eve, uh, Elite Dangerous. And there's stuff that I wish was in Elite Dangerous that your game's doing already. And really? this, this big, yeah, this big revamp thing of their mission system, which is apparently mid-May the beta's going to drop, is putting in missions that are that are kind of more like yours. So, uh, but they're, but they're gonna all, they're gonna also tie it to like NPCs in there because they they have a face generator, and and it's gonna be a little more like Eve Online there, where you develop reputation with a virtual person, and then the more that person likes you, the better missions they're gonna give you, kind of thing. Where uh, currently, uh, much like your game, you're just picking it off of a bulletin board. You know, it's just like what what can I do here that's that's more profitable or suits my play style better, but you are a lot clearer about what the goals of the mission are. And in their thing, you have to kind of go through some, some calisthenics to uh, figure out what the heck they're going to actually want you to do before you choose a mission. Oh, oh, that's, that's interesting to hear. Yeah. Well, even with our game, uh, there is a substantial impact to the reputation of completing missions. And then there's, there's actually uh, static accomplishments that are attached to your character that directly affect your progression through trees, obviously. But even with just like the reputation system, the faction standing system, like as you, you do missions and, and generally improve your reputation with a particular sub faction, like a corporation or something, they will start to offer you different missions. So 
we don't do like the individual reputation kind of thing where it's like uh, you're talking to some specific NPC and raising your reputation with that person. We may do that at some point down the road, but we do have it broken down across all the uh, the factions and sub factions that, you know, as you improve or decrease reputation, you have different things available. Oh, okay. And then um, the universe, how, how many different systems do you have in here? Star systems or like, yeah. a, okay, there's uh, there's 30 star systems, um, which breaks so, down to about 7,600 sectors. Okay, so, <sighs> so are the sectors, is sector control static or you can actually take sectors away from the, because there's three factions total, right? That right. opposed to each other. So, so that's something that we've been uh, we've been playing around with over the last few years. We added uh, dynamic sector conquest a couple of years ago in a contested uh, system, oh. Deneb, which is on the border between Circo and Atani space. They have the uh, basically the historical war that's kind of one of the defining points of the political structure of the universe, and. Uh, Within that, you can dynamically conquer on behalf of the Circo or the Atani if you join their respective military and take over sectors. And then at the end of any given week right now, uh, those are kind of tallied up and a winner is determined and the, the, the winning faction then has like a blockade fleet that then blockades the trade routes of the losing <laughs> nation. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a little bit, uh, uh, a lot of the way that I approach this, cause uh, for better or for worse, I'm, I'm kind of uh, at fault for much of the design. And, and a lot of the way that I approach this, especially with our resource limitations is, you know, we, we really kind of test things out on the users and, uh, and I'll, have an idea for something that we want to do, and then we'll roll some version of it, which may not be the perfect and most elegant and most expansive version of what it is that I want to deliver. But I know that there's going to be a distance between where I am and where we're actually going to need to be that's going to require a lot of player input and iteration in order to get there to the polished final product. So we'll basically stick it off in some corner of space that isn't really like that newbie facing, but uh, where veterans are a little bit more involved in it. And then just kind of see how well that works. Uh, we're doing something similar with uh, conquerable stations right now, where there's uh, there's basically three conquerable stations that people can take over and own. And then there's this whole key system that you can use to to distribute access to the station that you then own. And that then ties back into uh, the kind of the crafting system, we call it manufacturing of capital ships, which is one of the, the kind of the veteran endgame uh, processes where – some of the components that are critically needed to manufacture cap ships are only available at these conquerable stations. The, the, the whole idea being that it would it would create a little bit of uh, you know intrigue and uh, and you know contested space between uh, between player organizations. But really, that's just a test bed for rolling out conquerable stations throughout kind of an extended universe where there will be you know your own conquerable space and there will be your own craftable, manufacturable, conquerable stations, and so on and so forth. And then you have to re manage resources and so on. That's kind of basically I, what we're shooting for with Vendetta Online 2.0. I think Jim already said it best. Uh, this game's way better than Elite. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. I, I, yeah, I've I, actually wanted to check out Elite, and I got as far as buying it on Steam, but I just haven't had a chance to play it yet. Oh, well, I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, if you want to make that time, like, I don't know, Probably on a Saturday is the best uh, Saturday or a Sunday. Get a hold of me, 
and I will take you on the tour. Cool. Of, cool. You know, Thanks, like, man. Everything that thing does in about an hour, because that's all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but no, it's it's like there's some confusing stuff in that. The the one thing that Elite has absolutely going for it is, um, it's a it's a better flight sim than it is a game in the way that mm. I would fire up like Microsoft Flight Simulator, and I don't have a mission where it's like go go kill other planes or haul cargo from one airport to another. I just enjoy flying the plane you know you take off yeah. from this airfield fly around navigate to the other one and land but i can only do that so much you know without some sort of narrative goal going on jesus brian brian can you sit push that's, to talk because that's that's crazy i'm sorry i thought i had it set up so you couldn't hear that i apologize no no so, it sounds like you're firing an MG42 over there. <laughs> I'm sorry. But, I thought he was battling the robots again, but anyway. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, so, so that, that's the thing, right? In, in your game, you have distinct NPCs that are nothing like the human ships, right? So if you, if you see a ship that's a human ship, you know it immediately. And if you see, you know, like a drone out there, right, then it's like, okay, these are these little board things that are flying around. Um, so it's a completely different critter. Whereas a game like Elite, it's, they have, they simulate human pilots with AI. And well, there, we, we there really both. is no third entity. Ah, oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. We have, uh, we have NPC, uh, we have human NPCs, and then we have okay. the hive NPCs, and those are really two distinct subsets. Because the only missions that I'm having that I encounter stuff, at least at low level, is just go out and kill collector bots or go kill this bot right. and bring scrap and, and stuff. But that's, that's cool for newbie training stuff because they don't really hurt me too much. Yeah. Um, but but I've seen that mission where it's like the the hive queen has spawned somewhere, and I assume that's kind of like raid content. Like you better bring a lot of people to that. And well, yeah, hive, hive queens aren't that bad, but the uh, the the head of any given hive is is something called a leviathan, and that's the raid content. That's uh, that's much more difficult to take down, and that's a that's a completely dynamic uh, kind of organic set of NPCs. Like those are. When you play like the average MMO, there's like a mob in a particular place and you know that every time you go into that place, he's going to be there because he's just designed to spawn next to this rock or something and you shoot him. And that's not really the way that we roll with uh, with the Hive content on our back end is uh, it's actually uh, a rule-based AI system that continuously tries to expand and conquer territory and fights against humanity that's around it. So it it dynamically expands and then can get pushed back by player involvement and and can react in ways that we don't necessarily predict, which we think makes it a little bit more interesting. Oh, okay, cool. Very nice. I noticed I just uh, finally got a num- number two license on something. I forget what. And I noticed they're already different. Like That's one thing I wanted to ask about is um, progression. Uh, because I just uh, got my level two license in light weapons, and uh, after doing some missions, and I noticed there are already different missions than before. Um, like I've got a search and rescue mission now, for example, um, which is pretty awesome. 
least I thought I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's a, a lot of content that gets unlocked as you kind of go up in level. Uh, originally, my idea was to not have levels at all and actually just uh, unlock all content through mission progression. But uh, at the time when we shipped, that ended up just not being feasible. So we ended up using the uh, what I can called the license level system, which was uh, basically there's really only about 10 levels that are relevant and most other content is actually accessed through gameplay in some way. Mm. Missions or later end game content is more about crafting and drops and things like this. Um, but uh, the, uh, the level content or the, the leveling system is there to provide people, especially in the earlier stages of the game with uh, a bit of a, an idea for their, their own progression and uh, you know, it's easier to get a beat on. Oh man, I just got killed. <laughs> it happens a lot in the game and it's it's okay, you know, it's your chips are cheap and <laughs> it's it's not a big deal to die, which is a good thing. Which is good. Yeah, that's very yeah. handy. Yeah, it only cost me 3400 credits to yep. uh replace my my ship. I got killed by an assault robot which I had never seen before. Yeah, they're definitely a little bit tougher. So the flight model that you guys have going on here is sort of a semi-Newtonian-ish thing, um, because I notice I do drift a little bit. I've I've got some momentum to my ship, um, but it, it's also, you know, you kind of let off the gas and you stop. So it, it's a kind of a middling reality flight model sort of thing. Do I have the ability to actually shut that? Because I know it, there's like flight assist. But if I turn flight assist off, am I completely running on thrusters then and, and I fly like a ship in asteroids or what? So back, basically, back to your space war reference. Right. Yeah, exactly. So basically, there there is a single flight model, and that is Newtonian. Uh, the only thing that is non-Newtonian about it is turbo, uh, because when we tested things before, back in the early days, having people have kind of uncapped acceleration just made for terrible PVP where people just blast by each other at like a gajillion miles an hour. So we yep. added a, a bit of a, a speed cap, but everything else about the game is fully Newtonian. Now that being said, the flight assist is, is an actual control system. It's a, a, a system that sits on top of that, that is, is bounded mm. by exactly the same parameters and, and just tries to simulate kind of the um, traditional flight sim sort of interface it, that you might expect from like a yeah, just, X-Wing it, kind of style thing. It, it makes it makes it so that wherever you point the nose is where you're going. Where you're so, going, yeah. yeah. And, yeah so and how do I turn this off? Uh, so on a PC, I think you can... Oh, I got like, it. It's the quote key. Yeah, yeah. So when, when this is off, right, um, I, I know... Okay, so I continue to drift in whatever direction that I was going. Yep. You so can is you can it spin around and shoot the guy from behind who's who's behind you and all that kind of stuff, uh, and, then, and then back into an asteroid and all that kind of jazz. But as far as actually like hitting the engines, right? Because I I know if I'm going in a certain direction, I'm just drifting, and then if I hit the W key and hold it down, I I like decelerate and accelerate in the other direction. Yes, but it's also correcting my my like sideways vector right so no it, it, no uh there's uh i mean uh, there's absolute strafe right wasd and then uh-huh. you know the whole r and f for vertical strafe so whichever you're, you're giving an impulse in a particular direction so if you're trying to go in a particular direction and you hit w i mean you could say that it corrects for for side motion 
in the sense that, you know, if you measure that acceleration over a period of time, you will eventually be accelerating ahead more than you will be to the side. But there uh. hasn't been an impulse opposing that. It's not like actually correcting anything. So it, it really is. Oh, a, so it a, just adds the vector. It and... just adds the vector. Yeah, it really is a physics-based flight model. So do you find in PVP that the majority of the experienced pilots end up just going with the assist off? Because I think that's what I'd gravitate towards. So it really depends on their preferred control system, too. Like, there are some people, and the, the part of the reason why we created Flight Assist in the first place was for flight stick people, because a flight stick is really designed for one particular thing, and that's like a World War II fighter plane kind of, uh, you know, interface. So people that really like the flight sticks uh, may tend to use the uh, the Flight Assist a little bit more. Even so, there will be a certain percentage of them that will toggle it on and off. Uh, there's actually mm-hmm. a lot of people who do that, you know, who will use flight assist for going point to point or f- will use flight assist like even in the midst of PVP for just kind of like vectoring their ship around or something like that and then turn it off and do some more complex maneuver. But, yeah, I would say generally speaking, uh, people tend to turn off flight assist when they're doing PVP. Okay. See, I, I, I prefer – your flight model here, right? Because the, like the elite thing, like I said, it's a, it's a brilliant feeling sim. Like it really, you have to install that thing. I want, I want to take you out in your sidewinder and get you killed (laughs) a few times. You'll, you'll have a blast. But the, the thing that's amazing about it though. Oh, by the way, whenever you dock in a space station, the first time you have to put on the blade runner soundtrack and Ah. just (laughs) trust me. Yeah. Like that, uh, uh, what the heck's his name? I can't Vangelis? even think of it. Vangelis. Yeah, Vangelis. Yeah. yeah. You need that someone's... Vangelis going on, and and it's just like it's a transcendental experience. But It really is. Um, Out of body. In, yeah, <laughs> totes. Um, but in your game, whenever I can, I can fly with the Newtonian stuff off, right? And Or I, with the, the assist off, and the ship doesn't tumble out of control. Right, because right. if I if I cease a control input, it stops. Right, but whereas in Elite, if I if I put some spin on, the, you know, I, I roll the ship. If I take my hands off the controls, the ship will continue to roll forever. Um, and then oh, okay. you don't have control of the thrust like this. So the weird thing, right? The the turn rate of the ship is if the throttle is at fifty percent then that's your corner speed like an airplane would have. Mm-hmm. Um, so 50% throttle gives you maximum rate of turn on the nose. And higher or lower than that is a percentage of just how many degrees a second that slows down. So a weird thing is whenever you turn flight assist off, you would think, well, that was that would have no bearing anymore because it's not trying to limit my rate of the nose to what the the controls can dampen out and make the nose actually go like a plane. So I should be able to just yank the stick and rotate at maximum speed. But for some reason, the throttle at 50% still controls the nose rate. And I, I cannot figure it out. But here, it, it makes sense, right? You, you get what you're doing. And there, it's like you don't exactly get the control input that you're putting in. So it's kind of weird like that. Um, but yeah, so I, I much prefer this. Definitely. Oh, cool. And, cool. And yeah. I would I would fly their game with flight assist off a hundred percent of the time if the controls would just zero out when I let go of them. 
All right. Yeah, and but, I, that was something I think we we played around with and ended up adding was a, a degree of damping to because uh, uh, there's even keyboard controls and some of what you're experiencing is uh, is actually mouse related, right? Because it's like if you're especially if you're playing with the mouse, it's going to try and match your your mouse motions. But, right, uh, and I turned off the mouse the the mouse look thing where ah, you're yeah. moving the circle around and then the ship right. chases it yeah. because the the ship doesn't just smoothly do that it kind of bobs whenever it's doing it and that makes me crazy so i just want <laughs> i want direct input so but, yep. but anyway i'm i'm getting what i want and and that's the thing that's nice is i can i can tune this experience like three different ways until i get what i want and we're good yeah, so, and that's yeah. what a lot of our people our people do is uh, you know they do a lot of of that uh, trying to figure out exactly the way they want it and then they tune you know that there's like you know key bindings and all that kind of stuff is is highly configurable and then there's a whole forest of player created plugins that are Lua based that people then uh, then can put on top of that that further configures things. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so. Um to to replicate the the style of flying the ship in elite to yours if you took the 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 yaw you know your your y axis take that down to a sensitivity of about 10% of what this is hmm. and leave the roll and pitch the same so then it's more like a fighter plane where you're not going to want to use the rudder to turn but you're actually going to roll the ship and pull on the stick to uh, chase yeah, somebody yeah. with your nose yeah yeah so and, much more uh, oriented I, towards a flight stick, really. Yeah, very, very much so. Although they do have a mouse flight model, but it is um, some people that are good at it. I'm not one of, but I've I've fought in their arena thing against people that were using a mouse, and they just utterly <laughs> destroyed me. And but I can't do it. I have to use a stick. So, but but the <laughs> the one thing that's neat for the roll instead of doing roll on uh you know push the stick left and right to roll like it mm-hmm. would be a plane i actually i have a stick that twists so i put roll on the twist oh yeah and it's just absolutely natural the problem is then i go try to play a high end flight sim and i'm trying to turn the plane by rolling the <laughs> stick and uh yeah it's not good it, it it takes me a couple of days to switch modes back and forth yeah yeah definitely a, a different experience there yeah, but once once I got the flight assist off and I got the the um, <laughs> the mouse look camera chasing thing gone, now this is perfect. I dig cool. it. Cool. Cool. I'm being followed. Someone is following me. How? You have how, a creepy how, stalker. How, someone is. I, I think someone is following me. I I don't know what's going on. Yeah, it happen. Can well, we can have... you use your uh, your wizard powers to like take us around and show us some <laughs> stuff in in here that we haven't seen because we're low level? Uh, I kind of want I kind of don't want to be spoiled though. I kind of want to discover stuff on my own. I get where you're coming from though. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm just looking at like you know while while we've got the Think wizard the here, viewers, should, man, the viewers. It should be the guided tour. Yeah, hmm. we're selling this, man. A two-hour tour. Yeah, so, yeah. So the one thing that I find really amazing too, like the standard MMO pricing model is fifteen a month. You guys charge ten, but if I'm playing on the on my Android, I can actually do it free with a lot of limitations, or pay a dollar a month to pull the limitations. Yeah, and, yeah. It's... And then if I'm paying a dollar a month on the phone, then I can log in on the PC as if I was on the phone. So. So I can have it as like a ten dollar or a one dollar a month, really. 
Yeah, yeah, we're trying to find some some middle ground um, because the whole uh, the whole well, just adapting a, a subscription based game into a free to play game was uh, was challenging to begin with, and that's still kind of like an ongoing challenge that we're trying to figure out. I very much preferred the era from the development standpoint of just you know make the best game that you can, and then people pay for it, and hopefully they're happy. Whereas like free to play has a whole other lot of psychology and other things that are into it that are not really my my core goal set. But that's being yeah, said, you know, that's a whole psychology degree actually is <laughs> developing for the mobile market. Market. Yeah, I believe it. Um, and and it's it runs a little contrary to my desire to just make the coolest game that I can, and ho- hopefully people are happy. But at the same time, it's it's a requirement now on certain platforms. You can't make a non free to play game on Android, for instance. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, we're still uh, rolling with the uh, the traditional ten bucks a month on the PC, um, and then we're still working on the free to play, and we're probably going to continue hybridizing that whole experience so that uh, people can get a good taste of the game at the very least, free to play, and then uh, you know we'll we're, we're trying to figure out where to move the caps around and all this kind of stuff to to both reward our supportive subscribers and uh, and give them the best possible experience and and also. Uh, give a great experience to new people that just want to try it out for the first time. Oh yeah. Cool. I have to say, I yeah. appreciate that you don't have fuel in this game. <laughs> a lot of people asked for fuel and I no. thought that it would be unhelpful. It would but, be. It's, it's, yeah. it's kind of a, it's just kind of a cheap limiting mechanic. It's like, shouldn't the future have like Mr. Fusion or something? I mean, yeah. 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 But then again, there's a certain something to happen to like fly up next to the star and, like bake yourself while you're oh, trying to scoop I hate hydrogen. That. I hate that so much. <laughs> or do, wish, it, do it with a gas giant. Or I do it wish in the I rings never, of a planet. I wish I never had to do it. I wish I never had to do it. Just makes more sense not to even bother. I get. I like energy. I like that. That's a. That's a. Uh... Yeah, the energy system works okay, and uh, and then the fact that. Um, you know that kind of plays into the speed limitations and so on. Uh, so that uh, that ended up coming together okay for us. We, we still get some criticism for the fact that we have top speed limits, but it's uh, it's worked well for us from a gameplay standpoint. Yeah, I mean it works great. I, it, it works uh, really fine to me. I, I'm really happy not to have to worry about fuel because that just lets me enjoy the game. Like, oh, I'm flying around around here. This is great. I don't need to worry about. It. Oh shit. And I get stuck. That just gives me anxiety. I have enough anxiety to worry if my car needs fuel. I don't want to worry about my spaceship. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Fuel. So yeah. I just wanted to throw that out there that I really, I really like that. Um, yeah. My, my kind of design standpoint is that if I'm going to give people anxiety, I would rather it be anxiety that they kind of know where they're getting into. Like, oh, I'm flying into a dangerous area that's heavily populated by pirates. I'm probably going to get killed. And that that's kind of like a known quantity that they're flying into as opposed to just perpetual anxiety that follows them around constantly. Yes, so. exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like that's one thing that like Elite bugs me about. One of many things, really. Sorry, Elite. I love you, but oh, burnout. <laughs> um but yeah, I really like that. Like this game seems focused more on the gameplay than the whiz bang. You know what I mean? Like you have a great engine, don't get me wrong, but you seem to be focused more on the systems, like the the missions and the and the events and and whatnot, which I I really do appreciate. And you do. Have, it looks like I was looking at the newsletters. You do have regular events, don't you? 
Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, and they're they're predominantly player driven. We do run uh, developer events every once in a while, but especially with a little VR development lately, we've just been way too busy. But uh, the players run events on a pretty regular basis, and they're pretty popular. I mean, we're—I don't remember what it said in the newsletter. What are we up to? The four hundred and forty-second Nation War, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so. what is that exactly? <laughs> well, that's a that's a player-driven event where people align along certain national boundaries and then uh, you know compete in PvP against one another. It's, oh. it's pretty cool. Yeah. Is it like somebody didn't get a book deal and they? Oh, the Jesus. Kickstarter failed. Oh, oh yeah, that, that whole elite dra- or the Eve drama. Oh my God! <laughs> so that—that's another thing. Is you, you're free of the goon swarm here? Thank God. Um, <laughs> they actually came through the game for a while. They really liked it, uh, but then oh, they they no. moved on in mass to. This was a couple of years ago. They moved on to something else. So you know, <laughs> well, because there's happens. actually like, well, specifically like Elite and oh. Star Citizen has discussed it. Like they want to engineer the game specifically to discourage that whole Eve Online drama from coming in, you know, so uh, in in Elite, they were just like, yeah, we'll just give you a play offline mode, or you can play private with friends, or, or whatever, and right. that way you don't have to deal with it. Yeah, and, yeah. and a lot of people are just like, oh god, the river of tears, right? Like, oh, well, you can't let these people be offline. And <laughs> it's like, yeah, they, <laughs> let them play it however the hell they want to play it, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's different kinds of solutions to different problems, right? Like my outlook was, well, it's a space game and, and I'm a, I'm a surprisingly solitary MMO player as much as I love MMOs and MMOs are what drove me to, to make games. Um, like I, I, I always wanted to give people the option to just go off and do stuff on their own within an online environment with the community and, and social aspects and everything else that's going on. Um, yeah, you're, Sorry. Your, your keyboard's Shit. pretty uh, pretty rocking there, man. You, Sorry. You be, got like that IBM Model M thing going yeah, on. That's exactly, exactly what I have. Actually, <laughs> I figured. Yeah, yeah. That's a great keyboard. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I like to give people the power to to just go off and do their own thing if they want to, or go off and do their own thing in their own group. So generally speaking, you can do that pretty well in our game without having to resort to offline play or instancing. Uh, you know, there are, those are, those are possibilities that we could still do down the road to some extent, but, uh, well, the the thing that's interesting though, the thing that's interesting here is that you have the PVP figured out because there's different factions that are in defined areas of space. So it's like, if I want to go fight those guys, I'm going to just fly over to their space. And and now, you know, we have an agreement like we're going to fight each other. But if you're in your own faction space, you're fairly safe. Yeah, you're safe-ish. And, and that was another decision that I made early on because, in part, I played the UO betas. And I was really influenced by, especially in the, in the later betas of UO, you, you really had you – know, there was PvP everywhere. And you had no idea if you were going to get ganked by someone. And that created a certain amount of stress that wasn't necessarily that bad, but it created a certain degree of uncertainty as you kind of went around this online world that I found wasn't replicated when I played other kind of contemporary games, like when EverQuest first launched and things like that. You know, there was well, that's like what the- chased me out of UO, right? My, my first experience in UO, I got in the game and I'm walking around 
and I'm in town, right? Because and people had told me like, don't walk out of town because there's thieves <laughs> yeah. like yeah, right yeah. at the gate, and they're gonna, you know, you just Kill get you. murdered as soon as you walk out. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna stay in town and find out whatever. So there was a like a, a door or something, and I went in it, and it was actually the sewer. And as soon as I stepped in, it's like you're out of town. Oh. Pow! And a guy stabbed me in the back, and it was just like, oh my god, no, not worth I, it. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just like it's way too aggressive in that. Like I I need I need a a little hug space that I can be in. <laughs> well, and exactly. So that's kind of been the goal is to create what I think of as a gradient of safety. You know, that varies all the way from like brightest white to darkest dark, and there's this whole kind of gray area in between, uh, where you are fairly safe. You're, like you're you're pretty damn safe in like the actual capital systems and then nation space. You're fairly safe, but there are some pirates that roll through there to a certain degree. And then once you get into gray space, it's kind of like, well, all bets are off and, and you're really kind of taking your life in your hands at this point. But hopefully you know that by then. And, you know, it's been built around that. And we're still always tweaking that because no matter what we do and that that's that's one of the upsides and downsides of of any mmo right is you're populated by people and these people are always trying to optimize for the best possible strategy for dealing with whatever mechanics you put in place to keep them from doing something that they want to do like ganking newbies or whatever so we're always having to add like you know a little bit that's just what happened to me by the way yeah that yeah this would you get smoked oh this one pilot just killed me and like he one shotted me i was just flying through an iron storm Pew! you know yeah i've had that happen while i'm cruising up to a gate a guy comes from behind me i never saw him and i explode and a ship just flies through me and i was just like okay <laughs> so, <laughs> why yeah because i'm yeah. in the wrong place that's why i'm Apparently, too far out ion storm that's probably a bot that killed you if i had to take a wild guess no, it was little... it was a pilot his name was wash He's a bastard. Oh, but, then, okay. but then I'm like, dude, I, I the station I'm at doesn't have my ship, so I couldn't rebuy really anything. He, he, he gave me a bunch of money. So I'm like, okay. Just saying, that's, that might turn someone off if you just kill someone like that. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, a good way to get rid of Reavers is to run them through the wash. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Damn. Damn. Too soon. Too soon, man. <laughs> Damn. Damn. Were you in uh, nation space or gray space when you got killed? I I don't know. Where the hell am I? Uh, hang on. So that's Look. one of the things that we need to do is is make a kind of a stronger, you know, abandon all hope ye who enter here warning for uh, for when people fly into gray space for the first time. Because we do oh, still find that. Uh, I see. Yeah, I I might have been in gray space. I don't know, but I home based in uh, purple space. Even though I'm a yellow player, yeah, I don't know the right. names. Yeah, Atani versus <laughs> UIT. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, so always a, a degree of tweaking there, but uh, but still trying to strike that balance of like there's a little bit of risk. Uh, the the kind of motto that we say is that there is no absolute safe place. You know, this is not the sort of MMO. Where right. you were, your safety is absolutely guaranteed ever. Oh, but, I like that. But, I like that. that. I'm fine with that. Yeah, but that there are some places where risk is going to be greater than others, and at the same time, we're going to try and keep you from getting like station camped and ganked and stuff like that. You know, right out of the gate as you're a brand new newbie. So yeah, I mean, it's basically like jump gate had unregulated sectors, and 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 Eve has um, 
no no set. Zero, zero, zero. No yeah. Set. yeah so, yeah, so. so while we're talking about this, Brian, if you're if you're in a spot where you can pull the map up and do the zoom to universe thing, yeah. Um, so the gray space is that whole southeastern region, right? And so what I'm what I'm kind of gathering from this, and I, I know nothing of the factions here, but it looks like the UIT are kind of the buttholes of the galaxy because nobody likes them. They got all this gray space around them. But uh, the the red and blue guys actually have systems that touch. So is there conflict between red and blue, or it's like yellow against the other two? So the way that it originally started out was uh, the uh, the yellow guys were the neutral territories, and the red and blue are the Circo and Atani, and they are at war. And that's, that's basically the way things became carried forward, just in more of a storyline-driven concept. There's oh, so I had it exactly huge- backwards. Okay. There's a huge backstory that that kind of explains why things ended up this way. But um, to put it simply, the the yellow guys were were more or less refugees who fled off into space to get away from the oh. red guys and the resulting war and 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 devastation that happened. And they mm. were basically the only nation that learned to adapt to live in space as opposed to having their own home worlds that they terraformed. The red and blue guys have their own terraformed worlds, and they are by far the largest economic and military powers, and they are at war for thousands of years. And the front of that war is that Deneb sector, which is in kind of the upper left corner of the, the universe map, uh, which should okay. really it should really not be, be colored blue anymore, but we just haven't really changed the map yet. Um, and that is, that's the area that, uh, you know, based on the conquest of sectors and things like that, then you start to see, uh, blockades that are happening elsewhere in gray space. Oh, so, so if I want to rumble, Deneb's the place to go. That is certainly one of the places to see, uh, like a big cap ship battle that has like a whole bunch of cap ships on either side and heavy assault cruisers and all that kind of jazz going on is, uh, is check out one of the large battles. Uh, there's, okay. there's there's scales of battles too because uh, the large battles have a much larger impact on you know the performance of hardware right so it's like if you're a mobile user we just kind of warn you to, to not do large battles but uh, on a PC it's it's not a big deal yeah so what what's going on economically here because generally in a game you know like a space game where you can fly around uh, I I buy the biggest truck that I can and start hauling stuff, you know, like Smokey and the Bandit style. I'm, I'm, you know, 18 wheeler. Here we go. (laughs) And so looking at that, like, are there, are there things in certain sectors that you can't get elsewhere that are in demand in foreign territory? And there's like a, there's a reason to risk my ass trying to sneak through, you know, a blockade or whatever to get, you know, like whatever magic widget that the other guys want. Yes. Um, there is a, a dynamic economy that is based on uh, local production. So there's there's all sorts of you know different items that are produced uh, fairly uniquely in one area or a small group of stations around a particular area or something like that. And uh, those items will be in demand elsewhere in the galaxy, usually pretty far away because it's – right now, I mean – Eve, of course, they have like the the economy to end all economies, and and that's great. Uh, but we went for like a little bit simpler system. That's it's basically there's a demand value that increases over time in all the stations if they don't get items delivered. And Jeez, Jim, didn't you say that's what you wanted for Elite? 
Well, you know, I only ran it about six months about how they could fix their economy, and I, I think this guy gets it. So, yes. <laughs> so, or even uh, should hire this guy. I don't know. Anyway. Well, my, so my, my idea is basically that if you're going to produce things, right? So I'm, I'm looking at there should be a mission that shows up on the board, and if a player doesn't take the mission – then that station is going to spawn an NPC ship that's going to go out and do it. You know, it's like, we'll, we'll give the players a half hour, and if nobody does it, it pops off the board, and, and we spawn a ship that's out doing it. That's exactly um, what happens. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so it's interesting, because you can yes. also... Let me give you, you, let me give you, you can, Dave's email address, <laughs> and you can... You can also <laughs> escort that convoy. Like, if you don't want to be the person who's actually... Delivering Jesus. those items, you can uh-huh. be you can sign up to escort the convoy, and you can be like they're part of their military escort. So that's so what happens lot. if I blow that convoy up and I'm on the enemy team? Does There's, it impact their what? What do I screw up? Like they can't produce ships anymore, or what? So that's the thing. Is right now we are not tying uh, component availability to the actual production queue of any given station with the exception of one location. We have one station. I was talking before that we kind of beta test new content just way off in the stick somewhere. There's a, there's a station in sector Latos N2 that actually has a completely player and NPC driven economy. So if the, uh, if the items that, 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 are you know are the component items that are used to construct ships or something like that are not delivered it will no longer have those items in stock and it will no longer have uh you know any items that get constructed from that in stock whereas in the rest of the galaxy if those items are delivered the uh the price of those items at that respective station will go up but their availability won't disappear and the the challenge there was that we wanted to have it be player influenced but we didn't want to create a system that could be too easily imbalanced by either ai going awry or you know we wanted to create player blockades but we didn't want players to like be mucking with uh you know the the newbie experience for instance so now what we're going to do is now that we've we've been iterating on this for a while is we're going to start rolling out this more complete end-to-end dynamic economy throughout gray space. And then all of that will, will work under those kinds of rules where like if, if a station is blockaded, it'll cease to have like items available for sale, for instance. Whereas uh, the true nation space, the, the red, blue, yellow areas, those will probably always have an infinity of items available to some extent because they're just considered to have too much manufacturing base. But the the long run goal here is that like what you're seeing in like our interactive map is basically the core of the galaxy that we're going to be having for Vendetta Online 2.0, where we're going to be adding a lot more gray space that runs a ring around the outside. And that's where we'll start to get more into um, not just a player-driven economy, but player-controlled territory, guild-controlled territory, uh, oh resource-driven stuff, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, because I have several Excel spreadsheets that <laughs> I sat here and banged out an economy. Thing. Well, because, okay, so in Elite, they have a million different stars, right? And they have all these different factions. There's like, what, 10 different factions that are that are going on in there. So it, it would be a thing of, of, like, you have so many stations where here, you, you know, each, each faction's got 10. Oh, God, I'm getting murdered. Excellent. 
<laughs> Fucking wash. Oh my god. He fu- right. he f- wait, wait, wait. He found you too? Yeah. <laughs> mm. He's the one that killed me. <laughs> I did not forgive that kill. Anyway, I've been watching wow. people bitch at him in chat, so yeah. But anyways, um I've been I've been stream sniped and I'm not even streaming. So the the thought is like there are so many stations that you could say this one particular thing is the primary export of that station, right? Like they may they might make enough stuff for their own local economy, but to actually ship that stuff elsewhere, um, they, they specialize in this thing, right? Right. They have and, to get a surplus, uh, right? Yeah. And and the players could actually tweak what that station is going to produce because if they if they ship the components there from you know it be, because it would it would be sort of like a crafting thing where mm-hmm. this station needs x y and z to produce this thing right. and if it doesn't get x y and z it's not going to make that thing and that's the place that it gets made within a certain radius right right, um, right. because there, you know you'd have to source things spread out because there's just so much area to cover but it's it's the deal of like this thing in in this region is the place that makes this particular weapon. So if they want this weapon over you know ten systems away, somebody's going to have to take a mission to haul that from here to there. The way that the missions currently work, and and that's another thing that I really like about your cargo mission stuff, is the cargo mission says take this to them and we'll mm-hmm. pay you. As opposed to, we want this, and we're not going to tell you where to get it from. Yeah. So, yeah. good luck, right? And, and it's just like, oh, gosh, you know. And to a new player, that's just miserable because you have no idea yeah. where you are and how to find anything or whatever. But so, <laughs> And and it's like my wife's dad worked in the trucking industry, and I worked at a truck stop for a while. So, I kind of know how trucking works. And, you know, so it's not so much like the truck driver doesn't show up and say, hey, I want to buy 80,000 pounds of steel (laughs) and then put it on my truck and then I'll try to get a good price for it somewhere. And, you know, it's more like we'll pay you to haul it and you never own it, but you have to kind of be insured in case you lose it. And I I think that's kind of the way it should be, Um, you know, and and that's kind of what you're doing here. It's like we're going to throw this in your ship. Please don't lose it. And we'll pay you X amount when it shows up there. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, if you don't do that, you also run into issues with like, you know, how much are you willing to pay for different people who arrive with the same thing at the same time? You know, and and so so we kind of like we issue the mission and then we lock in that person the assumption that that person is going to deliver those items until they actually deliver it or, you know, some reasonable time period where it says, okay, this, this person isn't making it or whatever. And, and then reissues the mission. Uh, you have but, like a high and a low watermark, right? So right, once, right. once they get a surplus of a certain amount, they're going to quit demanding it. Yeah. And, yeah. Until they fall to a certain level of, and it's not like, Oh, we have zero of those, but it's like, well, we might only have a hundred left. So it's no, time right. to start yeah. ordering. There's a trigger point where it starts to post missions. Uh, and then what you're describing with like the availability of items based on, you know, components being delivered, you know, raw materials being delivered to a given station with a given manufacturing infrastructure. That's, that's exactly what we're kind of testing in Latos N2 and what we're moving towards with this kind of expanded universe thing is the whole notion that, uh, 
you know, players will conquer territory and, and be able to build their own station that may have, uh, you know, they may choose to, to add certain manufacturing components onto the station, which are useful for building particular items or particular classes of items or what have you, you know, depending on yeah. how deep we get into like recipes and all that kind of stuff. But then, uh, the space where they choose to occupy, you know, wh- whatever area it is that they conquer will have inherent, uh, properties of what are the raw materials available there you know what types of asteroids are there i don't know if you guys have dug into mining or, or anything at all but obviously we have a little a bit lo- yeah we have a lot of different asteroid types which have different types of minerals and ores and things like that associated with them and those are like the base raw materials which then then get refined into other things so you know a player might conquer an area that has like a lot of aquian and ferric ore or something like that but they want to create this particular type of ship that requires hull pl- plating that's made out of zithrosite, which is like another mineral thingy that we have. And as a result, they have to import that from somewhere else, which means that they have to uh, post missions and say, you know, and and then setting their own, you know, uh, upper and lower bound values at this point, because it's their own station, you know, hey, I want to make sure I have this many so that I can manufacture at this rate or or however they, they choose to make that work. I'm going to be stupid and take this mission again. That takes me through gray space. <laughs> if I'm going to set my home at a place where I can actually buy this shit, all the shit I had last time. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the way um, for the newbie experience especially, and, and also it takes care of the whole, um, like, Eve has that law level, right? Like, okay, you're in a more civilized system. There's police. You're going to get dealt with if you're screwing around in here, right? So it's it's a little safer for new players. Um, and I and I would think, okay, so each <clears throat> each faction is going to have a, a a set of core systems, right? And the majority of things would probably be available in the core, right? It's like you go to New York City, you can buy anything, right. but if you're out in the middle of you know North Dakota, good luck. Yep. Right. So, but the thing is, the resources for building the things that are available in the center, the central place, come from the fringe, and that's why you'd be fighting over those places. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so it, it's a thing of like, okay, you're gonna have you're gonna have a mining operation, and you're gonna have cargo ships hauling that back, but the fight is gonna be there. But they don't have the factory that makes the stuff. So then you have to haul the things that get made back out to the fringe. And that way people can arm their ships right there. And if that economy is broken, then those things are still available in the core. But you have to fly back there to yep. get it. And yep. and then it's like, well, that screws up your war effort because you can't resupply right at the front line. And yep. yeah, and that that's kind of the – I got spreadsheets. <laughs> yep, I, that's, I put that's, far too much thought into into how to fix their game, and they're not paying me. So, <laughs> well, that's exactly the the sort of thing that we're adding. So, yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting, and I'm I'm curious to see the way that the the guild mechanics kind of continue to work because it's been fascinating to to watch the way that they've been um, playing around with the. Uh, conquerable stations as it is like for a while there was heavy conflict and then people just kind of made peace with each other for a while and then someone would make somebody else angry and then all of a sudden there'd be heavy conflict over these you know three stations again it'll be a lot more interesting when it's you know another i don't know 
20,000 sectors of space and, you know, N number of stations and, and all the different, uh, you know, components that'll go into building uh, end game content, like, uh, you know, building and constructing stations will require a tremendous amount of resources, much as constructing capital ships, uh, player owned capital ships requires so a tremendous amount of resources. Right one, now. one game that I would, I would encourage you to take a look at is Evercron leg. Is it legend? Yeah, Evercron Legacy. 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 Yeah, the new one. The new Evercron game. Um, because he, he's got all that pretty much down, and he's got the the a highly abstracted yet dynamic economy. Um, but the way that he presents what the economy is like, you select a resource, and then there's actually a heat map that you're looking at. And sure. you know, it just shows the sectors like, oh, well, the red sectors is where it's expensive, and the green sectors is where it's cheap. Yeah, yeah. And I was going to ask about that. Like, how do you find a good trade route in this game if that's what you want to do? So, one thing that you can do, is, there's been a, a bit of a, a back and forth about making it too easy versus making it not too easy. One thing you can do is you can bring up the jettison menu when you're in flight, and it will show you the prices of the items that you're carrying in your cargo mm-hmm. at every station in the current system. So as oh. you go from system to system, you can kind of see what that breaks down as, you know, where you are without having to fly around all the different stations and, and check the prices there. We and do not well, once, have once you ahead. get to a once you get to a point where you have some familiarity where you know like this thing gets made in this system. So if I'm hauling the components for it, that's the system that I want to sell them in. So right. Right. Yeah, there there's you, value you get, there. Uh, yeah, you and get then, some familiarity with the territory, and you're all right. Which there's only ten systems for you right now. Now, when you guys expand this out, then that's going to get more fun. So, but but again, or, the newbie like experience systems. is in the yeah. So the the newbie experience is in the core, right? right? So in the core, it should be fairly obvious what you're doing because you're going to be hauling more domestic commodities around there. You're not really resourcing and and stuff, but. You know, it'd be like, oh, well, I'm going to haul food or I'm going to haul televisions or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you can't always predict, uh, you know, w- what exactly is going to go down because it's not just the stations that are manufacturing things. It's also players who have their own agendas and who are also manufacturing things. So even within the, the current economy, like if you're expecting prices to always be lower at one particular place – uh, you may get there and be disappointed because someone may have gone to great lengths to acquire all of that particular item because they happen to be building some other thing themselves that is soaking up all the, the resources of that. So you can't really always be sure exactly how the pricing model breaks down in the current galaxy, which is why there is the whole kind of uh, jettison menu thing to to give you a little bit more of a clue about uh, what the local prices are. But there are certainly trends that are pretty common. Yeah, but the trends in a in a real dynamic, the trends are going to come and go because you know it's going to be like, oh, this is the hot thing, and then some. You know, a couple of people will find out about it. So it's it's not like you know Eve or, or Elite where somebody posts on Reddit, you know, like, oh, go to this system and haul this to there, and you'll be a, a bajillionaire. And it <laughs> takes like a couple weeks for that economy to break. Um, you know, so they, it's always like somebody finding the money train and, and it's like some anomaly in the economics and they'll exploit the crap out of it, you know, right. and, and that's where you get people flying ships around that casual players will never see. Yeah. And, but, and we, but we have here a certain amount dra- of that. 
yeah, but it, but I would think um, at the scale that you're at here, it would dry up quick, as opposed to like something that's going to last for weeks, right? Yes. It, it would be a lot more fluid. It dries up quickly, uh, specifically because I set the uh, price drop per unit uh, sold to make it dry up fairly quickly. Um, there are there are some exceptions of things like that that will happen transiently, but uh, but generally speaking, we try to make any individual route that's really interesting uh, only be interesting for a brief period of time where a brief period is like 24 hours or something like that, you know, till a few people find yeah. it and then, then it gets, uh, then it declines pretty fast. Oh, so I'm looking at something I've never seen before. Um, I flew into uh, uh, whatever system I'm in and there are a bunch of NPC ships that just showed up. I, I assume they're NPCs. They're all NFZ something. Maybe these are people. No. I don't know. I don't know. Do your AI have human names? You uh, know, like I got Ramu Tacos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have yeah. humanish names. Yeah. It's okay, so same. this is probably all AI then. But it, but it's just like a bunch of ships jumped in together, like twenty that's of them. Probably a convoy that's fulfilling one of those missions automatically, like we were talking uh, about earlier. Really cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there will probably yeah, be see, like that's... escorts and uh, some main cargo ships, etc. Yeah. See, you don't see that shit in Elite. <laughs> just saying unless it's like a funeral i mean a wedding or a funeral yeah oh the wedding barge my god so the uh yeah a, a weird thing that they do there is uh their travel mechanic is that you're in sort of a warp like star trekky warp thing right where you move really fast and you you see other ships subspace. on the on the radar yeah the subspace thing but but you end up going like a, a thousand times light speed or whatever crossing you know cuz cuz they want they want you to be able to get somewhere right and not take forever but yeah it's it's weird though because ships just don't travel together at all you know it's it's like if you if you pull a guy out like you're a pirate right and you and you like interdict somebody you interdict them out of warp it's going to be like that guy and maybe a friend but you never see like a chain of cargo ships with a bunch of fighters with them and you know what would really happen and especially if you're flying through a hostile system you're going to have a lot of escorts and you don't get that there um do do npcs actually hire you to be an escort in one of these convoys Yes, yes, they so do. So you have to stick with it or you don't get the money, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, you have to make it. And and depending on the losses of the escort, if the escort incurs, uh, I mean, uh, of the convoy, the convoy incurs significant losses uh, before you get to the end. That has an impact on basically what you get paid at the end. I don't know, man. Milwaukee's a long way, but I might fly up there just to hug you for this. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks. It, well, I'm just looking at like in the in the future here uh, when you expand the territory out some, you know, just to have a little more elbow room and the you know the more player based crafting stuff comes in and you know if if you can actually like set up your own resource base somewhere, right? Like, hey, we're mining in this system it might behoove us to actually set up a platform here so that we're not hauling it two systems over to sell it. We could just sell it here and then the transports come to us to haul it away, that kind of stuff. Right. So, and there's certain other games that I won't name elite, but they uh, don't let anybody construct anything. Right. And, and it's, you know, 
Well, there there have so. been some community goals that involve constructing new space stations. Yeah, but that's but, but tightly that's, under their control, and that's oh, yeah. one of those exploited yeah. things, right? It's like we want to concentrate our, you know, they they got I don't know, like fifty thousand people at a time that are playing the thing, and it's like we want to concentrate a big population in this area this week so that people actually see each other. Mm. Um, but but they've chosen this weird path where everything is instanced peer to peer. So yeah. you might never see your friend. Like we we had a lot of trouble that just the three of us trying to fly together. Sometimes yeah. one of us just just wouldn't be in the same system. You know, we'd have our own private Idaho that we're in, <laughs> and then the the struggle to get it to sync up, right? And you're playing with your mm, router and, and all that. Yeah. And if they just had a central server model, that would be fixed. Oh, that would be a hell of a lot harder for them to do. It's it's funny because uh, I've actually had this this discussion relatively recently with people who who throw the term MMO around a little too loosely because an MMO mm. as, as it was defined, you know, back in the day of when Richard Garriott was describing UO was a very specific thing. And it was like single persistent world. Everybody plays in the same world. And the way that I would kind of like take the modern description is if like your 300 person <laughs> guild can't all like get into the game at the same time and all fly to the same place and all see each other. It's probably not an MMO, uh, but doing an MMO like this, you know, where you don't know what the scale is of people that you may see from the real world at any given time is very challenging. And even we have emergency instancing just on the off chance that, you know, we get some sort of iPhone and Steam feature the same day or some damn thing and, you know, two million people show up or something. I mean, that's, right. that's kind of terrifying when you're a single universe game. Uh, Eve, you know, what, what do they do? They slow down time until the game almost stops. That is a way of solving it. And I, I can't really throw any rocks at it, but I think it's sort of unfortunate from a gameplay standpoint, but well, it, you know, it it's became a, really a big tactic challenge. though. It, it yeah, was like, sure. this is a tactic. We can, we can win this fight because if we get, you know, we know the limit is this many thousand people. So if we yeah. bring that many people, we lock out the enemy and yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, I'm very adamant about maintaining the whole kind of like, it is a single persistent universe. The only thing that we actually instance on a regular basis are the uh, the newbie sectors, the very first sector that you enter, just so that, you know, that first sector where you're like flying around learning how to fly, there isn't going to be many more than 16 people in that sector at the same time. But aside from mm. that, the whole rest of the universe is, uh, is completely persistent up to, uh, you know, a pretty large number of concurrency per, uh, per sector. So, so what kind it, of – sorry, go ahead. If if I roll a character that's in a different faction, do you torture me with that that uh, training again? Like I have to I have to go through the tutorial one more time. Uh, yeah. I mean, you have to go through the mission based tutorial that starts in the station, but at the same time, that's like really fast to get through the first time you've. You, once you've already done it, you know, you're just kind of like, okay. okay, 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 yeah, 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 okay, I went out and then, then I docked and then I went out and then I, oh, okay, now I'm in the capital system. I mean, it, it takes like two minutes. So okay, I, I, I don't really then. stress about it too much, you know? Yeah, you don't have yeah, to do cool. any I just, offline stuff. Maybe I, maybe I screwed around for a while doing that stuff because I was just like, oh, God, it's been an hour. So, you know, like telling a friend, like, hey, get in here and play with me. And then, you know, it might be a while before they can spawn into where you're at because they have to figure that stuff out. But then again, you probably don't want them in there until they know 
you know, which ends up, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it's this double-edged sword of trying to give people a, a, an area to, to kind of mess around in where they are fairly safe and, you know, it's it's pretty easy going. But we do want to get people together pretty early, so we may come up with a mechanism for people to, like, you know, be able to find each other even within a training sector to, to put some code in and they all put the same code in and as a result, they're all stuck in the same instance. But that that's a relatively short, value you know kind of target because like how long are people really in uh, training sectors it's usually not for very yeah. long as soon as well, they're the a capital one, sector then so fine. one thing that um guild wars not guild wars 2 which is more traditional mmo but the original guild wars did was they had the 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 central area like the city was the hub and everybody would see everybody right. else and you could check out oh look at his cool clothes and whatever but you'd get a party of four people and when you went out into a uh, just a player versus AI area. It was mm-hmm. just the four of you, right? And right. the whole rest of the world was empty except for AI. So I guess if if you were gonna set up something like that, that would be perhaps acceptable. Like if oh, I yeah. just wanted to go out with my friends and hunt things and never see anybody else, then yeah, that's that's just traditional instance dungeon architecture. Uh, that's actually really mm-hmm. simple to do. And the, the Guild Wars guys actually coined a new acronym. Uh, cooperative online role-playing game to kind of define what they were because those guys a bunch of them were ex-blizzard and they knew what an mmo really was and that guild wars wasn't that um and so they kind of came up with that uh that new term to to define that and that we could definitely do that easily we don't do that just because i want to have the possibility of other people dynamically showing up, you know, we have a big enough universe that if you really want to go off somewhere by yourself, there's plenty of empty space, you know, it's not hard Mm. to get lost and nobody's going to possibly scaling in the future. Like you get on steam and now you have a million users overnight. Right. And once, once you get over the server crashing all the time (laughs) from the (laughs) load, you better be ready for it, man. When, well, Well, I mean, we're already on Android and that's a hell of a lot bigger gun than, than steam is. I mean, steam is a, is a serious place, but Android and iPhone, you know, you get, you get featured on either of those. It's a million people a week. So, Oh, wow. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. That's, it's, it's terrifying, frankly. So what, what is your player base? Like right now, how many people are logged in? Uh, There's not very many. Our concurrency is pretty low. It's uh, around a few hundred, you know? Okay. But still, that's that's decent for, yeah, for the size area. I mean, I've run into wash a couple of times, so you know, yeah. I'm, I'm seeing yeah. people, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, 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 that's, a, that's a peak. Like, I don't actually know what it is right this very second. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we, we peak around, you know, a couple hundred, something like that. That is not too shabby, yeah. you know. How, how much no, hardware does it take to uh, keep this one single universe going? Uh, let's see here. We have... Yeah, I, I assume you got a rack in a data center somewhere. This isn't like in your closet or something. No, no, it's not running in my basement over my like Roadrunner connection or something. No, <laughs> this is, uh, this is actually hosted by, uh, by Server Central in Chicago on their, uh, their, um, uh, big cloud. You know, they have a private cloud kind of thing. Uh, we used to have our own hardware and we ran it all off of our own gear, but then we moved it into a more cloud-based solution uh, last year. And I, let's see here. I think there's 15. Is it running on Linux or what? Yeah, it's all Linux right now. Uh, we used to run FreeBSD for 15 years. And then uh, when we moved to the cloud, that, that was just not seeming to be the best solution because I, I needed something that I absolutely could guarantee we could get anywhere. So we moved over to Ubuntu 
14. Yeah. So is it a single server instance, or does it actually have the capability to spin up other servers to kind of handle load if it needs to? So the way that the architecture has always worked going back to O2 is that any given sector is a given process, and those get distributed across uh, a a cluster backend based on available load and memory. So even when we had our own hardware, um, you know, it was already self-distributing across this, you know, rack of hardware. And then if we needed more capacity, we could just slam in more machines. Fast forward to now at the cloud era, we, we still have that degree of elastic scalability where if all of a sudden we need to have, you know, a thousand sectors online, well, that's a thousand sector demons that, you know, maybe those are using up 400 servers or 300 servers or something. It depends on what they're doing heavily. They're mostly pretty lightweight, so it's not really that big of a deal, but it depends on what content's in them, the number of players and the amount of CPU they're using and so on. Um, but that still all distributes pretty well the whole game was intended to scale to a theoretically unlimited number of users within a single game world. But theoretical in reality, I mean, I used to be a network engineer before I started a game company, and there's a pretty big disparity between those two things. And I'm sure that if we get, you know, a million people showing up one day, all sorts of stuff is going to blow up. But hopefully we'll we'll be able to fix it pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, we, we continue capacity testing and things like this. But yes, it yeah. is a... It is a single server instance that has like a, a linearly scalable backend behind it. Okay, yeah, you gave away the network engineer thing when you said like elastic expandability. <laughs> and, yeah. and it was just like, yeah, he's sat through those marketing meetings too. Well, I, I gave a GDC talk about so, that this so, year. So, oh, cool. So, so here's a term you can coin. You can own this one: spaceships as a service <laughs> in the cloud. In the nebula, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, we're, we're we're to nebula computing because it's well, it's a cloud, but it's in space, right? right? So right, every hydrogen atom is a yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Star, starships is a service, right? Right. Sounds good. So, what is like the? How many people would you say was were involved in the biggest battle you've ever had? Uh not that many. You know, maybe fifty. That's know. not bad. That, that ain't nothing, man. I mean, yeah. Jumpgate at its height didn't get into the many, many hundreds. It was like a f- several hundred, but I mean, yeah. You know. Do you guys, do you guys I, I, ever throw events to like get people in at the same time? We do, uh, but we haven't in a while. And there's a couple of sector capacity things that we've been testing in the last four months or so that we want to address before we do another big event. We want to do one sometime soon to try and see how high we can push that now. Because the problem is, is, you know, when we first launched the game, you know, if you want to say 02 or 04 or whatever, we, we did a lot of capacity testing in both cases. And we were, we were running, you know, 500 bots flying around shooting each other in any <laughs> given sector. You know, that was, that was not a big deal. And we figured with our their cluster at the time we could probably handle around 15,000 concurrent players but the thing is is between then and now we've added so much more gameplay you know we have this all this ai stuff that's flying around with all these convoys and 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 stuff going on and that changes the dynamics of the way that the game works and and adds new points where we're not really sure how it's going to scale now because we rewrote this thing and maybe we didn't do a very good job this time or whatever. You know, we haven't really tested it that well in some areas that are newer. So we're we're kind of in the process of retesting those things and uh, and 
trying to improve some of that. Cause I really want to see a few hundred players at least happening in some of the big space battles. If you saw like uh, the, the last newsletter that has a screenshot of one of our big test battles from like late last year, which was really not that many players, but was a hell of a lot of NPCs because it's really pretty similar in terms of load on the server. And uh, you know, that had some, it worked very well, but there were some problems with chat and things like that, that we want to address. Oh, good. So it sounds like you guys have a lot planned for this year for this game. Yeah, yeah. VR is is definitely the biggest thing out of the gate, and then there's uh, there's iPhone, there's Steam, and uh, and then there's some other things coming around the corner. Jeez. Wow. Hey, how do you change what channel you're chatting in? Because I uh, see you- a bunch of people talking in 100. Yeah, you you can use the slash join and slash leave commands uh, at the console to, uh, okay, to got it. join different channels. Jeez. Jump points are never close to each other, are they? <laughs> if it's oh in a storm, god. not so much. Oh my god, I'm being shot at by like 80 million bots. Oh, Jesus H. Oh, and they're all guardians. Great, great, great. Okay, and I've got 30, <laughs> I got 30 minutes to do this mission. And and uh, I got I gotta find a guy. Hey, fuck off! I'm, I'm, I'm shooting a missile in your face. Here, here's another missile for you. Why are my guns shooting? Why aren't my guns shooting? I think you've run out of f bombs. You have to go back to the uh, base. And yeah, pick up more f bombs. Uh, I can't finish this mission. <laughs> I think I'll do something else. <laughs> That's a nice thing. Like, it doesn't seem like you really get penalized for not completing a mission. No, no, I'm not really big on on penalizing people in general, um, if possible. You know, just because it's too easy, especially in a network based game, to have some sort of accidental disconnect or something like that. And you know, and that would just get players frustrated. You yeah, know, and frustration just... is not fun. Like, no, like, exactly, it's not the, fun at all. The point of this game no, is to frust- be fun. I thought frustration was actually like a game model unto itself. Yeah. That's well. the, but but if you buy five 500 diamonds, we will alleviate <laughs> your frustration. That, that is definitely an economic model, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not so, a big fan of that one either. No, I got a buddy that works at Zynga, so I've, I've kind of heard the how the psychology – like they have on-staff psychologists, right, that, yeah. that figure out how to whale people out. Yep. Yep. And, definitely. Uh, yeah. So it's it's you know it's it's stuff like uh, uh, which one is it like Candy Crush, right? Whoever makes that thing. So the deal Cake. is okay. So it has a certain difficulty curve until you spend a dollar, and then the difficulty curve is like, oh, this is a customer. All right, crank it, and then it changes <laughs> into a different model entirely. So you yeah. have a different experience once they figure out that your your wallet is loose. Yep. Yep. That is not. Uh, that is definitely no accident. Yeah, and there's so much refinement that goes into figuring all of that out. I mean, you know, Zynga will throw a team of like 30 people at trying to figure out how to monetize a particular game. Uh, I'm don't have that, <laughs> so I, no, I just, long for a simpler just, time. <laughs> but yeah, well, you can be like the rest of the mobile space and just steal their research data. Like, oh, it looks like they're doing this. Quick, everybody, do this. <laughs> Yeah, to a certain extent, but it's it's unique per game. You know, you have to figure out what yeah. the the psychology points are for any given game and the progression within that game. Like, how are you balancing that 
that point of joy versus like, oh, I could get that much better if only I went this much further kind of thing, you know, so and, and spend yeah. a little bit of money. And so that, that really is unique per game. And that's why they have to, you know, have these big teams that they move around to try and figure out how to monetize things. Tencent's really good at that. Zynga's really good at that. It's not yeah. really designed towards fun. It's designed towards revenue and yeah, I'm speaking not as of Tencent, <laughs> so so in the Asian market, since you're on Android, right? Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine released some stuff and went in Asia, right? So the uh, the thing that I found out there is you're not allowed in China to have a paid app store. Like every app has to be free, and then you can have in-app purchases, right? But you but you can't say my my game costs a dollar to download. Really? Which is wild. Yeah, at least according according to Josh. Hmm. He, he made he made that that like whack a mole gopher game that, that I mean he threw it together it was like some Flappy Bird stuff it, you know took him like a month to smack it together but um <laughs> yeah but it but it, that was that was his experience was just like oh yeah they they have no like quote app store over there and you have to package the game different and let people sideload it and stuff because their their idea of, like app store stuff is like FTPs. Like somebody's going to run an FTP server and they got a bunch of games on it and, and whatever. What? So I, I guess it's just like giving it up. Like, okay, it's going to get pirated, whatever. So we're just going to make it in-app purchase, you know, and just pass it around, folks. Because that seems to be what goes on. And the the other thing that's wild is like if you put out a game here, um, it was like um, one of the people from Spry Fox was talking about it. Like they put a game out. And within five minutes, there's a Chinese version of their game that's stolen their assets out of the game, <laughs> and you know, and it's just like, damn. So yeah, yeah, I believe that. <laughs> now, one thing I've been wanting to ask about because no other, no few other games do this sort of thing. I've not seen it yet. I guess I'm not high enough level, but it look, it, it looks like you allow your fan base to create content for the game. As yep. well, like you let them create missions. So how does that work exactly? So um, back in 08, I thought it would be cool to let people – I mean people have been asking for things like this and to help out in one way or another for a while. And the problem, especially with a small team, is like you know, the oversight of what people contribute. It's like A, people need to contribute things that are high quality. B, it takes a lot of time to go through all the different things that people create and be like, no, that's not good enough. No, that's not good enough. So really what you want to do is create some sort of self-sustaining community that can be building things and then giving feedback to one another based on some parameters that you define and some some general kind of like rules that you set up. So we created something that uh, I called the Player Contribution Core, the PCC, that people can join. And basically they have to say sign a little thing that says that, you know, what they create is is owned by our company, which is important intellectual property thing for lawyers. But uh, <laughs> then it also is is just that they you know have to be able to write in English well, and they have to be able to communicate well, and uh, and so on. And then it, it's really just kind of carte blanche for them to play around with whatever tools we make available to them. And then once they've created something. They can kind of submit that back to the community within the uh, the forum that we've set up for that, and the community can give them feedback about you know how it looks, and they can log into the test server and try their missions and things. And then once a few people from the community are like, yeah, okay, this looks pretty good, then one of our our moderators or guides will basically bump it up to me and be like, all right, we we've, we've tested through these missions, they're all pretty cool. 
Um, you know, we, we think they're good to go. And then I will usually kind of give them a cursory look and then push them into the game. So we've had people push, uh, we've had several hundred missions created that way at this Ooh. point. And, uh, and some of them are pretty complicated, you know, like long mission trees of, of, you know, meeting different NPCs and, and, uh, you know, lengthy storylines and things like that, that are taking place. So I, I think it's pretty awesome that uh, people are finding another storytelling medium within the game. Um, and I kind of framed it as like, uh, at that point in time, you know, this is before the, the JJ Abrams reboot of star Wars, but I was framing it as kind of like the, the star Wars expanded universe concept where, we have this core game, we have this core world that exists and these things are okay. And you can play around with our characters and our, our, you know, storyline and all this sort of stuff to a certain extent, but it has to stay reasonably canonical. And if people really want to get bizarre, they usually kind of ask up front and I'm kind of like, yeah, or no, or whatever. Uh, but as long as uh, they, they stay kind of within those rough strictures, then they can create whatever they want. And it's, uh, it's worked out pretty well. Yeah, I mean that that see I love missions in games like this. That's what always keeps me going. I'm not much of a trader, you know. <laughs> but to hear that there's I mean I've I've encountered a good variety of missions already and I'm still very low level. So that get that gets me very excited. Now I was wondering a uh, more technical question. Do like maybe uh, do other game companies like contact you and go, "Hey, you did this successfully. How'd you do it?" Like how'd you do both mobile and PC and Mac and all that? Do, do, does anyone like consult you guys? Yeah, on how to do this successfully? Yeah, and how actually. much do you charge for the answer? <laughs> <laughs> no, I you know I I never have because I I don't know I want to help people and uh, and yeah we we've had we've talked to a number of other game devs over the years I I give a lot of GDC talks uh, I've given a couple of like official mainline talks at the Game Developers Conference but I think I've done like seven talks overall um, and then aside from that. Um, there's a number of companies, all of which are much more famous than ours, uh, who have talked to us about uh, things like mobile in particular. And I'm I'm not going to name droppy about them, but yeah, it's 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 cool to get recognized by your peers, you know, especially when we're this weird little indie shop that's been around forever and ever, making our own weird little game that that we are very fond of. Uh, and then you hear from you know the the big heavy hitters that are much more famous than we are to say, you know, hey, how did you ship this on mobile? And, you know, how are you approaching this? And how has this worked for you? And and so on. So it's been, it's that's been fun too. Yeah, because, I mean, like I said, we've played this on multiple devices now. Like, I also tried it on my MacBook, my 2012 MacBook Pro at work. I just, you know, really clandestinely loaded it up there just to see, <laughs> yeah, you know, just yeah. to see. And it worked great. Yeah, sure. I really had to fight the urge to not play it on my lunch break, but you know, I just <laughs> wanted to load it up and log in and talk. I'm like, oh, I can fly around and stuff. That's really cool. Uh, so so let's let's wrap let's start wrapping this up. We've been going for like an almost two okay, hours. I, I um, have I have one other thing that I wanted to hit though before we do. So the um, since it is a multiplayer adversarial game, right? Mm -hmm. How do you do cheat prevention? And, you know, like, um, obviously there's no walls for me to wall hack, but, you know, there's right. got to be aimbot crap and, and all that. Sure, sure. And, uh, and how, so first off, how do you defeat that? And secondly, how do you defeat just plain old douchebaggery? Like, oh, I'm, I'm killing people on my own faction. I'm hanging out outside the station, just like murdering newbies when they fly out and, you know, whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So, um, 
if you guys want, and I'll, I'll touch on that in a second, but if you guys want, I can teleport you into a sector that has a bit of a cap ship battle. You guys were asking earlier yeah, to I see some bigger that. stuff. Oh, yes. Uh, so I, I don't know what... I don't know what your character names are right now. Uh, I, oh. I'm I am Veloxi, V E L O X I. Okay. I'm going to alien pickle. I will abort the mission I just took, and I'll take it later. It's just advanced combat training. Um. Whoa. Unfortunately, I, I do have to. I do have to bounce myself. Okay. Um, Thanks, but, Sorry, guys. I couldn't stay for the whole thing, but uh, John. Good stuff. I'm in love with this game. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. That's great to hear. Great meeting you. Yeah, Holy you too. Crap. Looking forward to uh, talking to you again some other time. Fantastic. Thanks much. Night, oh, s- oh, so are these different colored sectors, like contested sectors, like yes. Itani owns this? Oh, my God. So what was the other character name other than Veloxi? Alien Pickle? Oh, Alien, oh Alien. this is bad. Yeah, you might want to get me out of here. So these turrets, right? Yeah. Yeah, I flew in here and I was like, oh, it's pretty fireflies. What are those? Slam. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah apparently they, they didn't like me there. Some, I, I hadn't some... been shot by turrets before, so that's interesting. Oh, this is amazing, you guys. And oh, wow, that? that is cool. So this is, a so this pretty... is all... This is all AI cap ships. Yes, this is players? all a- AI cap ships. Uh, players can uh, dock with the cap ships and control the turrets and so on. Um, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. You can, you can dock with uh, the. That's the part constant. of the tutorial. Actually, you had to do that. Yeah. Oh, that was like the very first thing in the tutorial, right? I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, constellations wow. and tridents have docking bays. Uh, pterodons don't have docking bays, but uh, yeah, players uh, basically have a significant impact on this on the outcome of these these battles uh just by getting involved and you know taking out cap ships or or taking out uh enemy fighters that are you know defending their own cap ships or however it works because it it tends to usually kind of fight to a draw when it's just the npcs fighting the other npcs uh so players are kind of like a balancing factor and this is just this is a relatively small battle this is not a very big one um there weren't any dynamic large battles going on right now and i would have to look up the stuff to spawn one manually <laughs> so oh, this is so this just, is plenty i've never seen any of this yeah, before yeah, yeah, this you guys is, would do a little one this is pretty great this yeah. is pretty great well, the bigger ones are are a hell of a lot more impressive. Anyway, Oops. your your question about uh, about cheating. Um, so there's a there's a number of different things the, ways that we approach that. Like uh, the whole notion of cheating in a real time game, because that's that's our deal, right? Is like we're a completely Twitch model game, and we always have been since the beginning, and while maintaining the the single universe persistent MMO thing. Um, it's highly problematic to absolutely prevent cheating in a game that uses a real-time combat model Mm -hmm. Uh, because in order to do that, you would basically have to do a lockstep simulation of whatever the player is doing on the server side. And that just doesn't scale. Then you get it back into the old uh, quake problem where they couldn't get over like, you know, 30 players without having like a gigantic alpha server. Um, So what we do is we, monitor things pretty heavily and then we bounce check it against what we think is a sane response so like 
the the speed of the player's ship, the amount of ammo they have, the speed with which they're shooting, their the, the properties of their shots, all these kinds of things. And then we we just kind of log and monitor anybody who um, exhibits behavior that is suspicious or unusual or something like that. And then we kind mm. of, uh, you know, contact those people and, you know, tell them not to do that or, <laughs> or, you know, kick them out of the game or, you know, there's, there's various other administrative things we can do at that point. But so uh, I probably, I should, I probably shouldn't like get several million credits in an evening and then you'll know, like, well, I don't know. There's there's ways of actually doing that legitimately through the game if you like really know the right mechanics of, of ways to approach things. But yes, we do monitor all these things for for transients that are unusual, and uh, and then there are certain bounds that are enforced by the server. So that if you try exceeding them, the server will just be like, no, no, that's not okay, and it just won't do that. Um, but in general, we have to trust the client a lot because of the nature of this game. It's uh, you know, it's intended to scale to a large number of players, and it's intended to be real time, kind of like instant feedback Twitch model experience. Mm-hmm. So we have to trust the client, but uh, you know, the the mitigating balance that we've figured out for the most part seems to work pretty well. Now, in terms of dealing with players that are just unpleasant, you know. There are some community-driven features, like we have the ability the, – the community has the ability to, to vote a mute on someone who's just verbally being kind of an asshole. Um, and, you know, they can do a, a certain degree of self-enforcement on that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. In terms of things like players camping a station and just ganking other players over and over again, we really strive to resolve that through actual game mechanics. That's kind of goes back to what I was talking about, you know, when we first started chatting is that, you know, we're, we're constantly evolving in the way that we respond to, you know, pirates showing up in relatively newbie occupied capital systems and, you know, trying to station camp. So we're, we're, you know, there's a little bit of an arms race of like their tactics versus like our AI response and this and that and the other thing. But I don't ever expect it to be perfect because again, the game, you know, is not supposed to have any safe place. And Mm. if a pirate really is willing to jump through a lot of hoops to like make his way into to nation space and, and get past a, a lot of border guards and be dealing with, with AI chasing him around all the time, you know, that should be rewarded to a limited extent that they should have, some kind of experience that is unusual or unique for having gone through all of that difficulty, it just shouldn't be blowing up the same newbie over and over again. So, right. But, you it, know, but uh, as far as preying on my own faction, like I could see, like, go, go pirate the bad guys. They're over right, there. Right. But blowing your own faction up. So, do, do you have like a reputation thing with your own faction that if oh, you yeah. screw that up, then maybe yeah. they're, they're going to spawn police that are going to hound you for a long time? Yeah, it, like again in in elite, um, I can I can be like the biggest douche and get like a giant bounty, and then I get killed, and it's gone. And oh no, then no, I can no! Start at zero again. <laughs> Yeah, we have persistent reputation. So, so there, there's two kinds of reputation. There's, there's what we call temp KOS, uh, temp, temporary kill on site, which is, you know, usually for short periods of time of, uh, of mi- minutes to hours kind of thing. And, uh, and then there's long term factional impact from the actions that you take. So, for instance, uh, one of you was killed earlier and you said you did not forgive that kill. 
Remember when that happened? Right. Yep, that, that would caused, be me. That, right. That caused a permanent factional impact to happen to that other player, Wash. Now, he probably didn't care because he's probably ganking people in, in, in the, that factions area a lot anyway and his, his standings are probably already nuked but uh once you once those decline pretty far you get to a point where you're like permanently kill on site and and basically there, there's a whole breadth of ramifications to faction standing in general like you're offered better prices at trading and better prices for ships if you have good reputation as your re- reputation declines these things start to not be available you can't buy higher end ships you can't take you know certain missions that might be considered more secured or military driven or something right. like that and so, then as so basically don't poop where you eat because don't, don't poop yeah. where you eat yeah and 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 be mindful of the fact that wherever you poop there will be ramifications to that and that is actually Actually, something that we're going to be moving, that we're going to be pushing even harder because, you know, I've been talking about like dynamically conquerable territory and and this this sort of conquest of territory stuff. What you're seeing in this one particular system right now, with like the if you guys hit N and, and look at the navigation map and see like yeah, the different can you areas. Can pull me of, back to there because yeah, sure, I got, you got killed. Yeah. Um, are you launched from the station? Yeah, I'm. I'm good. Okay, good. Um, so you're going to be seeing a lot more of this taking place between individual corporations, like minor factions within gray space and things like dynamic war happening where, you know, one particular, you know, minor faction decides to go to war against another. All of a sudden it's like, you know, oh, Biocom and Valent are going to fight against each other for a period of time. And then that might take like a month and that will create sort of a dynamic circumstance within the game universe where there will be value to um, running a, uh, uh, you know, uh, shit, what's it called when you're, you're a blockade, you know, blockade running, uh-huh. that kind of thing. You're, you know, you're delivering items to somebody who's fighting a war, you know, and, and running through the front lines kind of situation. But because these factions will be constantly fluctuating, there will always be value to, raising or lowering your faction standing with these respective factions. And then also, you know, during the time of warfare, you might be able to get like a letter of mark from a faction to prey specifically on their enemy and so on. So it it is an underpinning that impacts player behavior. Like if you, it doesn't take very long to tank your faction standing to the point where in your own home world, like everyone is trying to kill you as in like all the AI is just trying to kill you all the time. Um, so if you just constantly are shooting, you know, newbies or if you're just constantly shooting guards or something like that, yeah, you're going to get kicked out into gray space pretty quickly. And then in gray space it's just kind of like good luck, you're you're kind of on your own. But there are other ramifications to the faction standing that we're kind of continuously expanding. So when do you anticipate first off the steam launch happening and second the the whole 2.0 like in, uh, yeah. which, in what order? Well, it, it, it's an interesting question. Uh, the Steam launch is definitely going to happen before 2.0. We're still shooting for 1.9 right now. Um, and 1.9 is kind of like the the great fix-it release, which we've been aiming for for like a year. And that, that date keeps moving around. It keeps getting moved around by legitimate opportunities, like the VR stuff comes along, and that has a very specific, you know, kind of time frame around it and, you know, other companies are very excited at a particular time. So we're trying to support that. Um, but 
I'm thinking that Steam will probably happen within the next few months, mm-hmm. as will the the whole kind of like HTC Vive, Oculus Rift, Gear VR thing. And um, 2.0 will probably not happen for a little while, I would guess, you know, best case scenario, end of the year, most likely next year, though. Uh, 1.9 will definitely happen this year. And then there, are, because we're, we're constantly iterating, you know, we don't, we don't go like, oh, it's this expansion and that has everything. We go, okay, mm-hmm. this week we're dropping these features and then we're going to iterate on those features for a few weeks. And then, okay, this week we're dropping these features. So there's going to be a whole gradient of time between 1.9 and 2.0 where, where some of these features start to get released or tested on a larger scale. Uh, before 2.0, when basically we're saying like, yeah, all right, it's done, it's solid, it's well-tuned and tested, and we're pretty confident in it now. And uh, and it then becomes kind of like the standard of the game universe. So the process of 2.0 will, will be a whole period of time uh, starting, I guess, in summer. Okay, so what's what's the vision for 1.9? Like what's, what's going to be radically different than what's here now? Uh, 1.9 is not about radical changes. 1.9 is about a lot of like tweaks and fixes and things like, uh, you know, we have cap ship creation, but, uh, for the longest time, it was such a pain in the ass for the poor owners of the player controlled cap ships to, to put them to use because we didn't have enough stations that were dockable by them. We expanded that at the end of last year. Um, we've, uh, we've been fixing a lot of things related to the creation of cap ships and, uh, you know, different types of captures, but, you know, I'm talking about cap ships, but really it, it's like the entire game, like, like faction standing things, uh, in terms of what are the ramifications of the circle Atani war and, you know, what are the ramifications of, um, basically being kill on site with all three major nations at the same time. You know, people have been asking us to be for the ability to be unaligned for a long time. That's one feature that we're looking at, but really a lot of this is not about huge groundbreaking changes as much as it is any given thing, be it an economy, like, like the, the Latos N2 example I gave recently where that's now a player driven economy. That's something that we're going to be looking to roll out throughout all of gray space with 1.9, but we're looking to have that a lot more tuned. Uh, this this gameplay that you're seeing right now, this Deneb Warfare stuff, you know, it works pretty well. People have fun. People enjoy it. But it could be a lot better. It is still not up to the vision of what I had originally set out for. And this is just like the test bed of the later 2.0 stuff. So it's going to be further expanding on that. So, you know, it, there's no one thing that I can point at and be like, you know, you're going to land on planets and run around and make bricks and then make houses out of them or something like that. You know, th- this isn't about like huge uh, mind-blowing new features. That would be an features. excellent <laughs> April Fool's thing to <laughs> announce, though. Yes. Planetary well, landings coming next April. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> and that's something people have been asking us forever. Um, but I'm not going to do planetary landings until they're relevant enough to the the actual gameplay. It's something right. I would there's love, so love much to that do. you could do in space. Yeah, well, that's, that's yeah. I, I have to I have to like you know look at Elite again. So they they put that in because people were clamoring for it. All right, now you got it. Okay, now I can land on the moon with mm-hmm. a golf cart. And do what? Well, it doesn't yeah. matter. You can do it, right? So there you yeah. go. And well, and yeah, so there's there's no reason other yeah. than well, we can have stations you can land at there. You have more hubs to trade at now. 
and stuff. So I I think honestly what what you need is you need some hype, right? Like you you need a, a like a Reddit or something and and get some kind of like like Eve has that faction war drama, right? And people are are reporting like this <laughs> this stuff is going on in there and I I don't know, man. You need you need something like the the news of the week, like what went down or I, I, do I don't know how you would you, tackle that. You, but. Can't, you, you kind of do that. You kind of uh, already have that. It, uh, well, like he's, when got, you, he's got a little bit when you log in. Kind yeah, of thing. You know, saying. you got the yeah, news ticker. Yeah. yeah, but but that's but that's not like front page of rock paper shotgun. Like, look at this crazy crap that's going. Maybe, well, maybe yeah, that's our job, be, right? We'll it, be your hype men. <laughs> well, well, I I definitely appreciate that, but a lot of it's just based on scale. People care about Eve because you know it's pissing a hundred thousand people off when something happens. Uh, with us, mm. you know, if it only pisses off five thousand people or something, that they're they're like, oh, you know, I I don't know. That's that's not as important to us. So you know, it's a double edged sword. You know, Eve spends more on marketing per week probably than we spend per year. <laughs> so yeah. there, there, there's all sorts of challenges their, of scale. And but their and, game isn't skill based, so it's nowhere near as good. Well, it's it's it, it definitely appeals to a different kind of player, and and that's cool. It totally you know? does. Yeah, it it, it totally hey, does. Well, while, while you're, because uh, I got killed again, can you actually set me back to my home system? Like, oh, the, why oh. you? Well, hang on one second. While you're flipping him around, I want to ask you something. Okay. How do you? We want to create a guild. How do we do that? Oh, uh, there's the slash guild command from the uh, from the console. It's it's kind of lame and consolely right now, but you can slash guild create. Um, oh, okay. Uh, but if you just type slash guild, you'll see like a whole bunch of commands. Oh, I th- see. Th- that are very old school and retro. <laughs> is your is your in game chat like running on IRC in the background or something? There is an IRC uh, bot that is maintained by the users that we kind of tolerate for the moment, um, and uh, and that's a bridge of their own creation. Oh, okay, because I I just wondered like crap. You know, I'm, I'm at work, I can't play the game, but I might be able to log into IRC and chat with people that are in the game or something. You can but- do that. Uh, you you have to talk to the people who run the bot to, so that they'll let you. Like I think you just join. Uh, the right channel on Slashnet. Like, we do have a, a Pound Vendetta channel on Slashnet that's more about discussing the game, but then they have their own separate channel for just uh, chat related to that goes in-game itself. You have to register with the bot, and then the things that you say will get replicated in-game. They've 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 done gone out of their way to try and uh, implement it as responsibly as they could to keep the chat from getting spammed or anything like that. So you have to basically register it against your actual in-game account. Oh, okay, cool. This is maybe, maybe I could be your first uh, gold spammer. Be in there, you know, like buy 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 uh, vendetta golds, cheap, excellent, best quality. This is interesting. Sure. So to create a guild, apparently you need ten people. Yeah, yeah. We I only a- know I only know two. <laughs> yeah, he only has two friends in the whole world. They're not in this game. <laughs> I only know two. That is unfortunate. Uh, it's you're, you're gonna have to become more popular in here, sir. The guild. I, I would suggest will, handing out candy. The grill, it'll it'll abort, which is interesting. Which is interesting that the guild process will abort. Uh, that's so people just can't make guilds willy nilly. I suppose, huh? Yeah, yeah. We didn't want to have like a million stupid guilds that people create that are just like two people or something like that. We wanted them to be kind of meaningful, you know, organizations within the galaxy. Um, so, uh, so that was why we set a moderately high bar for them. Um, so that people could uh, 
you know, get get started on that, but really only do that when they were uh, really dedicated to the idea of building something like that. Yeah, I think I need to meet more people. <laughs> yeah, can you? I'm I'm out in space. Can you teleport me over to Atan so I can set my home system there? Yeah, Because I'm sure. I'm home down in Dow, and it's proving impossible to get out of here because <laughs> certain certain people. Yes, well, that is a challenge. That is yeah. definitely a challenge. So I'm I gotta say I'm very excited about this game coming to Steam because it definitely. Uh, Oh, someone in the chat of uh, the game said yes, ask, yes. No, oh, you, you can, can read. You oh, can yeah. read the shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, Estrian. Uh, this guy runs the game. He could probably see the chat. You don't need to. You don't, you don't need to ask me <laughs> to ask him because that's just like and Andy's banned. You okay. know, mom, mom <laughs> dad, mom's not talking to you, but she wanted to know. What you yes. want for dinner tonight? <laughs> well, it's kind of like I was saying at the beginning. Like every player has their own particular set of pet peeves and things that apply to their particular play style. And then there are there are the genuine limitations of the fact that we're a tiny little team trying right. to run this big game, right? So it's like, you know, he's right. He's asking like why guilds are so inflexible right now, and they're not entirely inflexible, but they could definitely be a lot better. But uh, what are, you know, what are features that people are asking for for that? Because I don't really have a frame of reference for what somebody would want in a guild. So there's a particular structure right now to the way a guild is managed uh, within the game. Uh, you know that it has a commander, and then a commander can appoint two lieutenants, and then there's a council that can be formed, and that's basically what makes up those ten players that you initially find. And and there's a bit of a voting structure where the council can get rid of the commander if they want to, and and the lieutenants can be used to recruit for the guild, but have no specific control over the guild. And then it's largely things fall to the commander. So there's been a lot of requests for allowing people to organize the guilds in different ways, uh, which is something we'd like to support. Uh, And some of the requests are easier than others, but, you know, some people really want a lot of diversity of, of organizational structures. And some of those are kind of challenging to implement. Is that like you you have general population and then you set certain people to be officers so that they can allow people in and kick people out? Yeah, and- it's, it's similar kinds of things, except, you know, they'll want like, you know, everybody to have – maybe they'll want a completely democratic guild or a completely undemocratic guild or, you know, they, they, they kind of want open-ended uh, structures for the ways that, that they can be organized, which would be pretty cool, but – I just have other priorities that I place yeah. higher. And, well, you know, think, for, for better or worse, that could, is what it is. It, well, as long as you're not trying to throw a coup and, and kick the president of the guild out. Um, other than that, I mean, you could kind of handle that outside, right? Like have a forum or, or whatever for politics. Yeah, or, and that's mostly yeah. what they do. But, uh, you know, it's it's always a work in progress. You know, the, the game is never done. It's never static. And, and I'm always open to more input on it. And we do want to improve guilds, but I'm more concerned about, like, the newbie experience right now or the user interface or other things. For the, the uh, We have this – we play this shell game. We have this tiny piece of dev tam that we have to move around and use to the most effective way we can. And, uh, and the way I apply it is the way I think is – best for the overall player base, but it's never going to be the best for any individual player, you know? Yeah. Right. But I mean, it's clear you guys are doing something right. I mean, 12 years. That's, <laughs> that's really, that's honestly just astounding because like most, most, a lot of MMOs do not last this long. 
And no, uh, yeah, we're we're running up on. I mean, you know, there's there's a couple of them out there that are that are definitely older than us that are still continuously updated. But uh, we're we're probably that's probably less than ten at this point. You know, yeah, it's got to be. I mean, space wise, there's Eve, and there, but that was only a year before you guys. And then uh, no, you guys said 2002 or 2004. Yeah, if if you measure it from when we went online in '02, you know, we were. We were available publicly, like the Penny Arcade guys posted us in in May of 2002, and that was when we got our first uh, influx of users. I see. Um, so if you measure it from that, we were before them, but in terms That's of true. when we were a final product to retail, they launched to retail before we did, and they were, uh, they were okay. kind of more finished before we were. So I, I don't know. It, we're, we're definitely contemporaries with them. We were contemporaries with the Jumpgate guys, but they definitely got out considerably earlier than we did. Uh, um, I'm so. still – I mean, I'm still – now, have you know? Do you know about what happened with Junkie? Like they got resurrected by some kind of weird, shadowy group. Did, have you heard about that at all? Um, recently, like yeah. a, a couple it's of up years and running ago, right now. it's running right now from from some some Russian folks. Apparently, reverse engineered it, and it's running for free oh, right now. Okay, it's kind of it's weird because. Like I said earlier, it's not really an official thing, so there's like only so much they can do to improve it or change yeah, but it. Does NetDevil even exist as an entity? I don't no. think they other do than anymore. in a filing cabinet. Yeah. No. No, I, so I there's think... nobody to really go after them anyway. I mean, well, but someone even, owned even... NetDevil. I, I forget the name of the company, yeah. but someone owned them. So technically, they own well, the right tech, to jump. Technically, tech. but there's no yeah. reason. Yeah, There's that, no reason to well, that, screw there isn't them. enough economic reason, and they probably don't value the property high, highly enough to go after them just for the intellectual it's, property. Well, it's like with Blizzard, right? Like plenty of people run the the like WoW emulator thing, yeah, right? Sure. But the guys that just got in some shit for it is because they they had like a couple hundred thousand users, right? And yeah. at that point, it's like you're paying for that somehow. The server structure is not free. So, you know, obviously there's some sort of financial something happening there, and they don't like that. So Yeah, then you're creating a threat to Blizzard. You know, as long as you aren't a threat to Blizzard and, and WoW as an entity, then they're probably yeah. going to ignore you. But, you know, as soon as you well, become if a genuine threat. What, what I find interesting, though, is like there's demand, obviously, from a couple hundred thousand people to play vanilla WoW without all the stuff. So they should just stand up a server instance and be like, come get it, people. And they'd get 15 bucks a month off all those people. They probably would. Yeah, they probably Yeah, the MMO space is just weird. (laughs) It is a very... I just finicky, can't it's a very finicky space. It's a very finicky space, as I'm sure you know, John, as I'm sure you are <laughs> well, well aware. Well, we've seen the whole model change, right? Like, WoW is about the only pay-to-subscription-based you know, subscription-based MMO left. Um, and I don't know what UO is. I, I guess they're maybe still 10 bucks a month. I can't believe that still some, is even up. There, there, there's and, some hybrids out there, like like uh, Elder Scrolls Online. They like You can play a bunch for free, but if you want like the DLC and stuff, you can either buy it outright or pay them $15 a month. Yeah, yeah, Lord, yeah, of, yeah. Lord of the Rings Online had a yeah, premium model, thing. too. Hybrid. Same thing, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, even EverQuest 2, they, they were one of the first, like, the big ones to switch over. And uh, and as far as uh, switching to freemium, like, that saved Star Wars Old Republic because that game was a ghost town. Uh, whenever, you know, it's like they released that thing and nobody was really pleased with it. 
And, yeah. you know, we were all just like, yeah, I'm not going to pay $15 a month for, you know. And, and then whenever they went freemium with it, then people came back in and they had an influx of money and they could develop stuff and they're knocking expansions and, and actually good content out now. So, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um, but I, I just myself jumped into black desert, which is a, a pretty damn amazing game. Uh, it's a, it's a game for people that, that like it's, it's Korean, but it's not super grindy in that way. But it's like my wife's been playing Stardew Valley. Like it's going out of style and, so I picked up Black Desert, and I'm like, well, you know, if you get in here, you can also run a farm. You can milk the cows and, you know, feed the geese or whatever people do. They have cat breeding in the game, for God's sake. I, I'm, I'm watching <laughs> a YouTube video, and, and this guy's like, okay, well, I have these pet cats, and the, and he has a, a spreadsheet, right? And there's there's like a, a website that you go to that is a calculator. Like, okay, I have these cats, and you put them in, and then it tells you the percentage odds of getting whatever result cats out as, cat as babies yeah uh, exactly cat craft oh my god fantastic. that could be a standalone oh, game go. on its own there we go on that note we should wrap this up this might be our longest podcast ever <laughs> yeah I'm but he's not, interesting I'm, right? I'm not, well yeah but i mean i'll take that as a good sign and, yeah, no, you have to come back for the second sign. half <laughs> I, we were actually really excited to talk to you because cool. when we when we discovered this we were like this is awesome. This does all these things. We want something like this to do. <laughs> we got to talk to this guy or these guys or whatever. So, yeah. And again, I have to apologize for writing you off uh, back in, I guess, 2002 when I tried you because I, you know, I'll play anything with a spaceship. So I must have tried you as soon as you were available. So, again, I have to <laughs> apologize uh, for writing you off so long ago with a uh, subscription. So, hey, so no th- worries, man. So, uh, thank you for. Uh, because this game has so much to do, like I and and the travel times are not ridiculous, and you keep things flowing. And I love ion storms. Like, oh shit, ion storm! Oh god, there's a red dot coming out of the distance. <laughs> Run! That's a fucking assault thing. So uh, yeah, I, I like what's going on here. So guys, Vendetta Online, you could try it for free on the PC for what eight hours. Yeah, right now. But yep. you could also play it on your Android and soon – it's not on iTunes yet, or is it on iTunes already? It's on iTunes for the iPad. It is not for the iPhone yet. But uh, that's and coming. That's coming, and uh, and then we haven't updated the uh, the iPad version in a while because uh, uh, some challenges – that we were working out there, but uh, there will probably be an iPad update sometime soon. But, yes, we're, we're available across iPad, uh, Android, uh, even, like, Windows RT tablets, like the Surface oh, and stuff like that. Why? Freaking okay, Ouya. Yeah. So, guys, <laughs> if whatever you're listening to this podcast on can likely play this game. Yeah. So, yeah. you really Th- There is no probably excuse. a smart refrigerator somewhere that you can play the game <laughs> on, I, I, if I had to guess. So, yeah, because they run Android or Linux or whatever. So, uh, folks, it's vendetta-online.com. And uh, where can they, like, talk, find you on online, John, like on Twitter or Facebook? Like, where can they fi- folks find you guys? Uh, yeah, we're, we're at Vendetta Online on Twitter. And, uh, and then Facebook, uh, you can find a link from our page, vendetta-online.com. And, folks, they update this game almost weekly. Like, there's hardly a week goes by when there's not some update to this. So it's not like some games that just like, oh, did they die? What happened to them? You know, no, this <laughs> game this game is constantly updated. Uh, oh, this is neat. I just discovered there. So you guys have integrated voice chat with TeamSpeak, huh? 
Yep, yep, and that's across all platforms. Uh, not iOS yet, but everything else, including uh, Linux Christ. and Android. Holy Christ, really? Yep. Yeah, it's pretty neat. That's so is amazing. that limited to like people that are within a certain radius of you can hear you, or is it... No, like, it's uh, it's based on like if you're a member of a group right now. Um, we're probably going to add the ability to just create arbitrary channels sometime soon, but uh, we haven't done that yet. So you, you can join a group, like you can group up with like uh, seven other people or whatever, and then you can all chat together. Or uh, also, guilds can have their own uh, voice chat. Guys, oh cool, in, guys, integrated team speak. Did you hear that? Integrated <laughs> goddamn team speak. And again, I've played this on a tablet and a PC. It plays great on both. You don't need the the best internet connection to really run it well. And it, it's a very active universe. There's NPCs doing all kinds of stuff, not good and bad NPCs. Plus, there are asshole players who will shoot you down for no reason. Yes. And, yes. and they say, welcome to, v- <laughs> welcome to Vendetta Online, they say. <laughs> so, so And then the, sometimes they give you money afterwards, so you never that, know. That's, that's exactly what happened today. A little I'm bit like, of a... I said to the guy, dude, you might if you do that to like some other player with less patience than me, and I don't have a lot of patience, they might just say fuck this game and, and leave and never play a game like that again. So, you know, just FYI, you don't might not want to do that to everybody. <laughs> and he gave me a bunch of money. I'm like, Okay, thank you, but I'm just saying, <laughs> don't shoot everybody. Yep, yep. You can shoot me because I'm 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 doing this thing and I'm dedicated, but not everyone is. Uh, so folks, if you're looking for a more Twitch based MMO experience that has instancing right and an actual economy that makes sense and, and missions that actually seem to matter, uh, give this a try. It's not as pretty as Elite. But like like Evercron, uh, it's a much more contained experience. Like there's not millions of systems. There's only a certain amount of systems. But that gives you, I think, a more vibrant experience than a whole galaxy filled with nothing. Basically. Right, and then and then you want to send an email to Brabenator at EliteDangerous.com. <laughs> Or it's frontier it's frontier.co.uk frontier, yeah, or whatever okay. that is. I'm lying. I don't know. <laughs> Braben. D. Braben. Uh, the Brabenator. I'm totally guessing that. But uh, yeah, folks, this is a very intriguing game. I've been really enjoying my time with it. Like when I when I when I just want to log in, when I just want to play something for like ten minutes, I'm like, I'll play a mission in Vendetta Online. You know? And <laughs> cool. And it's just you get and you're you're always moving forward. You know, when you do missions and stuff, you're getting, you're, you're, you're improving your character. Uh, but yeah, yeah, how much, you, how much data do you burn if I was on my data plan on my cell phone, like per hour? Uh, the average for a player, and, and this really depends on what you're doing, right? If you're like in a huge capture battle or something like that, it's going to be different. But like the average for a player is between one to three kilobits per second. So it's not mm. very much if you that isn't uh, much. No. if you're using voice chat that's going to go up considerably. Uh, yeah. that, that's why voice chat is disabled by default on Android, and you have to specifically enable it. And there's a little warning and stuff. But generally speaking, for most data plans in like the U.S. and Europe, it's not a big deal. You know, if you're on a really limited data plan in Asia or something that's really expensive, then you know you have to keep an eye on it. But uh, but generally, it's it's very very low in terms of data usage. That's uh, oh, cool, amazing. Yeah. And and one other to, point I'll have is to put a monitor on it and screw around with it a little bit and see what what the deal is because yeah, this, yeah, this could sure. be something to do at lunch. 
Yeah, so folks, uh, $10 a month on PC. Uh, what is the pricing mo- I forget. What is the pricing model on mobile? It's free to play on mobile, um, you know, up to a level cap at up level to a 5. Level cap. Yeah. And then uh, you can also pay a dollar a month on Android and then you can play the free to play version on the PC as well. So, you don't have to pay the uh, the $10 a month subscription fee. And we also have a uh, full retail support for the Oculus Rift. We uh, we integrate the 1.3 SDK. So, if you're a early adopter of the Rift, uh, we have we have prototype support for that. We do not consider it a released like final VR experience, but uh, we've supported it since 2013, and we're pretty jazzed about it. So yeah, guys, this game has just a ton of shit to do and see, and you definitely all should check it out. Free to play for eight hours. If you don't like it after eight hours, you're probably not gonna. But if you do, <laughs> kick them a few bucks, you know. So uh, John, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your evening and working on this game. Sure, man. This, is, this has been very fun and enlightening, and your game is awesome. I'm really going to be playing it for years to come, like I did with Jumpgate. I mean, I've got th- <laughs> I've got thousands and thousands of hours in that game, so I'm, I can only imagine I'm going to get thousands and thousands of hours out of yours. Um, so, folks, thank you so much for uh, listening. Uh, next week, I believe we're going to be talking to the developer of the recently released on Steam. Uh, we've had him on before. The developer of Close Order, uh, remember them? That's yep. that kind of fleet bait, fl- fleet bait, fleet based um, shooter thing. So we're, that's going to be next Thursday because we're switching things up. Because next Tuesday it looks like we're going to be having on the folks um, behind Quasar to play their multiplayer game, and then this Thursday we're going to be tackling some fractured space. We're going to be giving that little MOBA a shot. Yeah, um, when are we going to make the flip from? Thursday to Tuesday and Tuesday to Thursday. We're not. Were we? Was that the I plan? Thought, isn't no, that just, what you were saying? Just for this Hunter one. Before? No, just for this week. Just for next week because oh. the guy can't make Tuesday. Oh, okay. um, otherwise, it's going to be the same as always. Um, did you want to do that? <laughs> no, I just I was listening to you guys talk. Like no, no, know, no. Half a year, just, and it was like, oh, we're doing that. Okay. No, it's just for that. It's just for next week because the gentleman who's joining us can't uh, can't make it on Tuesdays because he's taking a night class or something. All right. So um, now that I've got everybody as confused as me, no, don't. I think it, we're good. SpaceGameJunkie.com slash calendar, my friends. That will have the fully updated podcast schedule, game of the week schedule, ma- multiplayer madness schedule, and so on. So, John, again, thank you for taking the time. Yeah, I think this is our longest podcast. We're about to have two and a half hours. Uh, <laughs> Thanks so folks, for having me, guys. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Seriously, we're going to have you back on, I think, later this year, maybe, or at least maybe when uh, 2.0 comes out. That sounds really... Or if you're looking for a podcast to co-host, then just keep showing up. <laughs> <Right. laughs> Fantastic. But show up until we tell you not to. <laughs> but again, everyone, thank you so much for listening. John, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Have a good night.